This rip was brought to you. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. They're right down the hall from me here at the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas, and they're here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you're looking to hold Bitcoin in multi-sig vault in a multi-sig wallet, you're afraid to do it by yourself. Unchained is here. They have a two or three multi-sig vault, which you hold two keys. Unchained has one. They have an incredible concierge team that's going to walk you through the process of setting it up, how it works, what you should do with your hardware wallets and your your seed backups. Good strategies. They're going to get you comfortable, and they're going to set you up. You'll have a two or three multi-sig cold storage wallet that you can send sats to and, and have peace of mind knowing that you don't have any single points of failure and you have somebody there to hold your hand. If you want to buy Bitcoin straight into that multi-sig cold storage, they have a trading desk now. You buy Bitcoin via Unchained's trading desk. It doesn't sit on Unchained at all. You buy it and it goes straight into you, your multi-sig cold storage. Let's go check this out at Unchained.com. Peep their concierge team. Peep their trading desk. Unchained.com. This trip is also brought to you by good friends at Brain. Brains, one of my favorite mining companies in the space. Team behind Brains Pool, the oldest pool in existence, the first pool in existence. The team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, auto-tuning firmware, which allows you to uh, download a new firmware that's not stock firmware on certain ASICs, and it's going to make your ASIC more efficient. It's going to allow you to produce more hashes because the auto-tuning firmware finds the higher-producing chips and focuses on those. Uh, that is going to help you stack more sats. If you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware, you're not using it. You're an idiot. Don't be an idiot. Download the firmware. Uh, they also have Brains Insights, which is a one-stop shop for all the data you need on the mining industry. Pools, hash rate, difficulty, difficulty adjustments, profitability calculators, all that jazz on insights.brains.com. Go to Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com to check all of this out. B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. This was also brought to you by our good friends at HODL HODL. HODL HODL is here to bring you a peer-to-peer lending platform with no KYC, no AML, leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties, and has lower rates than other lenders on the market. So what you do is you put your Bitcoin up in a two or three multi-sig escrow account. You hold one key, your counterparty in the loan, the lender holds one key, and HODL HODL holds the third key. Uh, the beauty of this setup is, though you can't move the fund, since you have one key in that two or three multi-sig Forum. You have visibility into the collateral account throughout the duration of the loan so that you know your sats aren't moving and being lent out like other bad actors in the space have done and blown up doing so this year. It's impossible with HODL HODL. Uh, you get stable coins in return for that collateral. And as long as you pay that loan down, the principal plus the interest associated with it, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Again, no KYC, no AML, peer-to-peer, uh, lower rates. Lend.hodlhodl.com. L-E-N-D.hodlhodl. H-O-D-L. H-O-D-L.com. This writ was also brought to you by our good friends at Blockstream, who had the Jade Wallet. Jade Wallet is a very cheap device. You're going to get 15% off if you use the code FREAKS to get the Jade Wallet. I've got to uh, pull up something here. I have something new I have to mention. So they just released an update to the Jade firmware enabling people to sign air gap transactions with that 
we'd like to let you know that it's an open source hardware wallet for the cold storage of Bitcoin and Bitcoin layer two assets on liquid, such as stable coins. Blockstream G8 houses a camera and a full color 2240 by 135 pixel 16 bit display, allowing for fully air gap Bitcoin transactions, scan and display QR codes directly on the device to sign transactions and verify addresses with ease. Manage your assets from mobile or desktop with Jade compatible wallets such as Blockstream Green, Blue Wallet, Electrum, and Sparrow. Go to blockstream.com slash jade wallet. Use the code freaks. You're gonna get 15% off. It's a great deal on an already cheap device. Ding, ding, ding. We mentioned in this episode, but we have two new sponsors of Rabbit Hole Recap that are starting this week. December 1st, 2022. And that first is our good friends at CoinKite. You guys know them. They make this thing. If you're not watching on video, I'm pointing at my Block Clock Mini. It's a beautiful thing. They make this thing. It's a Block Clock Micro. If you're listening and not watching, I'm holding up a box which has a Block Clock Micro in it. These are beautiful hardware devices that allow you to keep track of everything going on. Within the Bitcoin network, you pick stats and it shows them. On top of that, they are the creators of the cold card MK4, which is the best hardware wallet in the space. You can use it with an SD card or NFC air gap. It has two secure elements, a transparent case, source viewable. Uh, they also have the tap signer, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, it's a low-cost NFC-based signing device. Right now it's compatible with Nunchuck. That's what I've been using it with. It's a really cool device that really changes the design landscape of, of private key management again nfc enabled and then they have the sats card and open dime which are great gifts <laughs> if you want to give them out at a wedding a birthday party you load them up with sats the sats card is nfc enabled uh the other open dime is usb enabled sats cards are great great gifts too you tap the back of your phone you click the the link to the web browser then boom uh, an address pops up. You load that address up. You hold, you hand on the Sats card to somebody, and then if they want to sweep the funds, there's directions on how to do so on the back of the card. Um, so it's a beautiful thing. Shout out to CoinKite. I got to make sure we go to their right website. I think it's CoinKite.com. They have so many, so many URLs. It is CoinKite.com. Go to CoinKite.com. Check out everything. The block clocks, the cold cards, the sack cards, the tap signers, the open dimes. Beautiful hardware for Bitcoiners who want to be sovereign. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at IVPN. It's another great service. We talk about VPNs here a lot. If you're looking to increase your privacy as you... Um, scour the web ivpn is a high performance vpn service that accepts bitcoin both lightning and on chain using btc pay server it has hosted vpns uh hosted vpns provide users protection from their internet provider spying on their traffic and protect user ip addresses from the websites they visit it's open source it's easy to use and it's for all devices if you have your laptop your phone you can use it on both servers are self-hosted they use bare metal they control their servers. They're not using any any cloud servers. They're located all around the world, and users can select which ones they want to use. VPNs inherently require trust, but IVPN has a no-logging policy and has regular independent security audits. They also do no KYC. You don't need an email to sign up. 
This is very good for privacy as well. So go to IVPN.net. Spend some sats on a VPN. It's very important. It's a credible product. I've been using it. Enjoy this rip. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. You should have let my tweet go through. <laughs> I got admin access to Restream now, so Marty can't pull a fast one on me. It was going to be a good tweet. People were going to get a kick out of it. We were going to talk about it on there, and you had to go in there and change it. We had to re- we had to rework our Restream because uh, TFTC's YouTube account is currently uh, suspended. We're not going to talk about it because we don't want to get the Citadel Dispatch YouTube suspended. But... Well. Uh, you know, go check the TFTC podcast feed for the most recent episode. Is it a mo- no? There's an episode in between now, right? <laughs> One before Matthew Mazinkus quarterly update. Anyway, we're live from Bitcoin Park. Uh, if you're subscribed to the Citadel Dispatch YouTube feed, yeah, Marty just described why you're getting pinged <laughs> because we're using we're using that YouTube feed for rabbit hole recap. But uh, we have a great crew here in Bitcoin Park, including a live audience. Um, to my left, we have, uh, ride or die freak and rancher, Jason, Jason, how's it going? Fantastic. Just happy to be here. The feelings mutual. And we got a uh, absolute legend, uh, Texas slim sitting next to Marty. Hey guys. Good to see you. It's our first podcast in Nashville. It is. It's the first time I've seen you outside of Nashville and so, Austin, I guess outside of Austin. Yeah. The only one where you did the first beef initiative. Yes. Kerrville. Kerrville. Yep. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. We had uh, eight producers in the beef initiative that day. And you announced last week at the Austin Bitcoin Club over 100 now, correct? We have 110. Yes. Yes. It's fast growth there. It's amazing growth because it's not a marketing plan. It's, uh, It's people being very intentional and saying, hey, let's go try this out. Yes, yeah. word of mouth. It's grassroots, and we have some uh, some local beef on the table right now. We do. We <laughs> actually, I brought ten ribeyes with me from uh, Cole whenever I left Luling. Uh, I guess it was we were down there last weekend. Of course, saw you guys, and then I drove from Austin, Luling, Bastrop. I guess I left out at Bastrop, so I brought ten ribeyes. And so Cole's going to be running late today. So uh, we uh, had gourmet cavemen cook them up for us. Yeah. We're talking idea. Parker, any uh, Bitcoin commons freaks? We'll shield the commons while we're at the park because Mac likes to shield the park while we're at the commons. But we're. Uh... What, what is. <laughs> I mean, I shield the park when you can't access BTC Pacer <laughs> or, or, or you talk about getting an espresso machine. Have you seen our espresso yeah, machine over I've here? I've been using it quite a bit today. <laughs> I'm tired. No, we were talking. Uh, I was telling you, Parker and I were talking. We want to do beef drop-offs at the Commons. Yes. Cut sheet with KNC once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Show up, get a KNC dump into the fridge, and take it home. 
From day one, and I was on your podcast, I said, this is a international lifestyle. You just don't understand it yet. But understanding that right there, you're talking about market access to a lifestyle. It gets you out of the ruts. It gets you out of everything else. And you get, well, you get to get creative with your, you know, with your beef. Yeah. It's good beef too. The first bite was incredible. You want some more? I'll, I'll get to some more. We have a lot. Okay. I feel yeah, like we it's going to be a long podcast. We have a smoker in the courtyard of the park right now. Yeah. Just smoking in the rain. How are I think you might need to turn your levels up. How can you tell? Because I can hear you in my, uh, or your level's good to you. I mean, I don't have a producer. I'm just doing it myself, Marty. Logan, let us know if we need to turn up the levels. You can message us in Slack. The levels the levels are probably going to be really fucked up today, freaks. That's on me. Um, no, I'm excited to have you gentlemen here. Jason, you haven't been on TFTC yet, but Slim, you've been on many times. Yes. Thank and, you for that, by the way. Thank you. And the topic usually is like, obviously, beef initiative, beef access, mm-hmm. and all that. I'm excited to have you guys here, because obviously, it's a rabbit hole recap. Matt and I dive into a bunch of very hardcore Bitcoin topics, and I'm excited to riff on all this stuff with you guys. Well, Jason, how, how long have you been listening to rabbit hole recap for? Well, I've been listening to Rabbit Hole Recap for, I mean, as soon as I heard about it. But really, for me, that's only been two years. It's, I mean, a, it's a long time. My, my introdu- introduction into Bitcoin was from a, a close family member and uh, a San Francisco Bay Area financial guy that's like, hey, you need to start paying attention to Bitcoin. And uh, when you do a Google search and you find out the guys that are like uh, breaking down the news, Bitcoin news, that's where I found you guys. And so, of course, not only is entertainment value fantastic between the two of you and you guys' <laughs> interactions, but also um, giving real education on Bitcoin. And then, of course, I was honored to have you at our ranch for our Beef Initiative Colorado conference. The honor was mutual. And, and getting that education and the, the huge impact that you made on my son, that he has gone so far down the rabbit hole and he's going to be building big things as a 15-year-old. And uh, that's just been really exciting to, to witness. Well, you, you've raised an absolutely amazing son. Your family is, is just special in general. So I really appreciate, Yeah, I really appreciate that. Actually, Jason found out he was going to be on the podcast because he was listening to RHR on the way here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> yeah, we announced it last week uh, without you guys knowing. I said, hey, we're going to have them on. And what was the stat that came out of that, your moon onboarding? How quick was it? Was it like so it was, 12 uh, minutes or something? 52 successful moon wallets in 14 minutes. There we go. That's a good stat. That is, it was spot on. He was paying attention. And, and like $1,200 worth of transactions in that same amount of time. Yeah, we had Ibex gave everyone $500 worth of Bitcoin. All together, yeah, collectively. Yeah. And then the idea was they received their first Bitcoin and then they donate to Jason but there was so much love in the audience that he somehow got over 2x that amount of Bitcoin when we were done with the, the intro. Yeah, it was amazing. And then then all the ranchers, the local ranchers who got to see the ease of use of Bitcoin and how easy it is to accept payment for beef in Bitcoin, which has now opened new avenues and revenue streams for them as well. Absolutely amazing. It's yeah, super it's, empowering. It's and more- this is what we've told the freaks many times is like, don't onboard people by like sending them your swan ref link or something like KYC exchange, <laughs> just like leaving them off to the wolves. Like give them some of their first Bitcoin. Let them actually experience Bitcoin in a self-sovereign way. Yeah, and 
it's really annoying too because there's this big meme out there that it's like hard to use Bitcoin. And you guys have proved that you can onboard 54 people in 14 minutes rather easily and send $1,000 worth of value, more than $1,000 worth of value. I mean, it's so much easier than the traditional payment methods. You got to like, I mean, I saw, I, did you retweet or you like someone's tweet today? That yeah. Like, Skyler. Posted a picture of like a credit card form on a website. It's like, this UX is terrible. Too much friction. No one's going to adopt it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, what blows my mind about like people like Bitcoin's too hard to use is like you literally download an app and follow the instructions and you can have Bitcoin <laughs> within 20 minutes. It's not that hard, freaks. You, when you can take a picture, I mean, you can produce a QR code and take, I mean, literally open the camera on your phone and it does all the work for you. And, and, it's, a, and it's infinitely scalable no matter what. Well, that was a funny thing. Like Bitcoin, we especially in bear markets, we like to argue about bullshit all the time. Especially uh, this one. And one of the big arguments for the longest time was like QR codes are never going to work. And like obviously one of the most infuriating things, well, there's many infuriating things about the COVID crisis, but was the they got rid of paper menus and all the QR codes now are like all the menus are QR codes. And now my grandmother knows how to use a QR code. Now everyone knows how to use a QR code. Now I wish we got our paper menus back, but that argument has completely gone out the window. Everyone can use a QR code. Well, it's the same thing when the internet came out. Oh, it'll, it'll never last. It's a passing fad. Look at it now. It's the same thing with Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they have like that. Was it like good morning America or whatever, when they're talking about the email and they didn't know what like the at sign. What is this internet thing? Yes. Oh, at, yeah, I remember uh, basically because I was I was probably in high school at that time, and as far as it the internet coming on, and I always make fun of people because they think that you know Bitcoin's a slow adoption, but it took twenty years to buy a pair of shoes on the internet. You know, from the very first time they said it was all going to happen. So you you put it into perspective. It's it's pretty. I think people are catching on slowly now. Yeah, when you put it like that too, you're like, oh, 20 years. It's a long time. And put it in the context of Bitcoin. Bitcoin turns fourteen exactly less than a month, which is crazy to think. In that innovation time, though, that look at what we've done in a year within the Beef Initiative as far as transactions. I mean, we've sold. I, I think we're close to between four hundred and five hundred thousand dollars worth of beef sold through the Beef Initiative. And when the stats are really good about uh, maybe 40% is sometimes it's 50% depends on the market is Bitcoin. Well, and that's just what you can trace through selling beef through the beef initiative website. If you look at the hundred producers that are all part of the beef initiative and all of their sales, like for me, for instance, I'm accepting Bitcoin for beef and that's probably a third of my sales. And that's that's one of those things that not isn't even tracked in that four hundred thousand dollars worth. Exactly, of that's just you know, one, that's, and that's just one producer. You're you're doing a third in in Bitcoin. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. That's pretty high. I mean, that's impressive. Well, and that's the other thing too, though, is I as I'm getting special preferential treatment to my Bitcoin customers. Ah, uh, that's what you have Instead to do. Dis- and discount? Do they no, get- no discount because they it's just truly get more love. value for value. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, do you value what I'm providing for you? And I value your intentionality of trying to develop this Bitcoin circular economy. So if they pay in Bitcoin, they get more love out of it. Absolutely. Because what I've noticed is, so like one of the things we do at Bitcoin Park uh, is we always try and bring in local vendors 
Um, I mean, yesterday we had the pleasure of having Ann and Weldon Warren of Holy Cow Beef, who I had the pleasure of meeting in Colorado here. Um, and they use Bitcoin. But usually when we bring the local vendors in, they've never used Bitcoin before, right? Uh, you know, local food vendors for the meetups, because I don't like the idea of, of getting like shitty fast food pizza or something uh, for our meetups. And we always onboard them with Bitcoin and they're always very skeptical of Bitcoin. And we say, no, it's, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And it's very important for me that they receive a bunch of payments in Bitcoin so they have their a first positive experience. And when we finish the night, I always check how much they received in Bitcoin versus fiat. And you can imagine the client, like the, the group of people that come to Bitcoin Park is mostly ride or die Bitcoiners. And the payment percentage is fucking horrible. It's just like, you know, most Bitcoiners just pay, they'll just pay with dollars. We, we do like the breakdown and it'll be, you know, 20% paid with Bitcoin. And then if you actually look at that subset of volume, like a quarter of it was me paying with Bitcoin just to try and pump the numbers up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell the vendor that. But. Right. Well, and see, so that's interesting because for me, I'll take your $16,000 Bitcoin all day long. Because I see the real value in that as far as a long-term store of value. Right. But that's not the point. The point is is the actual Bitcoiners themselves, a lot of them just – or a lot of us just don't have you know, Bitcoin wallets on our phones, don't feel inclined to pay with Bitcoin. And I, I, I feel that's changing. I mean I know me personally, if I have any opportunity to pay with Bitcoin, I would prefer to pay with Bitcoin. Um, but historically, that's that's been the case. I I Oh, I was just going to say that today alone, upstairs, I've been drinking coffee and water like a fiend. I've paid three invoices. Yeah. It's, it's nice, right? You can't do that at the commons. <laughs> <laughs> we had a meeting yesterday. We're going to we're gonna bring it. Okay. The Our ranchers were doing free. it last night. Well, so, so do you think that is uh, across the board, Bitcoiners paying in fiat versus... Yeah, I was talking to why, Slim why about this. That? I was talking to Slim about this, and he sees the same thing through Oshi, which is like, let's be honest, like... Oshi's user base has got to be 90% Bitcoiners, right? Like 95. Yes. They haven't crossed over to the mainstream. And you see the same thing, right? Yeah. Most of them will pay with credit card. They want to see the Bitcoin they payment option. They go back option. and, yeah, they go They'll back and forth. You, on Twitter. Yeah. you don't have a Bitcoin <laughs> payment option, but then they go and they pay with their credit cards. That's what, I've been using Strike uh, today. I was using it. And it, that's a much better, I'm using my fiat balance to pay a lightning invoice. And I think that's a good happy medium. If you want to support somebody accepting Bitcoin and not, part yeah. ways with bitcoin they have in a wallet but the thing is it's like, a slow step into it at the end of the day any money you spend is money that could have been held in bitcoin that's so true. it doesn't if you like this idea that oh i don't want to spend my bitcoin because that's going to go up in value and i have fiat it's <laughs> like why do you have fiat why isn't it in bitcoin in the first place oh uh, there's there is some like mental aspect to it where you're, you're technically not spending bitcoin so. Well, especially in today's market. If You're you always have, spending Bitcoin is my point. If you have fiat, why not be buying cheap Bitcoin? Exactly. I mean, so totally to your point, like if you have fiat to spend, spend it on Bitcoin and work on actually promoting the circular economy. Right, and then Bitcoin. spend the Bitcoin. But you exactly. have to spend the Bitcoin. You have to spend it. Once you start pricing your whole life in sats, like it doesn't matter if you pay pesos, dollars, it's all Bitcoin that could have been saved for your children. Agreed. Right? That's what I'm saying. So this idea that like, oh, I don't want to spend the good money. It's like, well, why do you have shitty money? The shitty money you have could have been good money to begin with. Yeah. It's a mental block. That That's exactly have. what it is. It's because you have to ch train your mind to think in 
Satoshis. Right. Because that's like, okay, this cow is worth X amount of Satoshis. This tractor is worth this. This load of hay is worth this amount of What Satoshis. are Satoshis? <laughs> I personally think it's sats. I don't know. What Sato- is Satoshi slang for sats? No, that's the other way around. So, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it is. I mean, yeah, it is hard spending sats because you're like, ah, oh, shit. You s- no. Spend and then rebuy. But then you, the money you used to rebuy could have been sats in the first place. So then you get into the question like, is this spending action necessary to stoke adoption stoke to circular economy which will I think lead so. to I a mean, higher price so you see this all the time right so like michael's a good friend uh and Oshi has a built-in uh store locator in the in the app right where where do people accept bitcoin recently uh, a different map came out what was it was like btcmap.org and it listed way more locations than Oshi does and i sent it to michael and Michael was like, yeah, I don't want to like upload those into Oshi because usually they're outdated. And I was like, yeah, I figured that, but I also figured I'd send it to you and you could check instead of me checking. Um, but the point is, is what happens is we see in these cycles is, is people convince a merchant to start accepting Bitcoin. They say it's a way better payment method. You don't get chargebacks. You don't have to pay the 3 to 5% uh, credit card processing fees. You get instant settlement, yada, yada, yada. Everyone knows the pitch that listens to the show. But then they enable it. And they get like three payments over two months and then they forget about it. They disable it. And then you walk into the store six months later and you're like, I saw you guys accept Bitcoin. They're like, bit what? And they have no idea. Right. So you need to have some kind of, um, and I'm not like being a B casher about it, which was like <laughs> this sure idea that? that you need to like force a circular economy. But if we want to see a circular economy, it has to start somewhere. Um, and merchants won't, won't maintain it and accept it if they're not getting actual usage and actual traction on it. And why is the circular economy important? Well, we saw today um, that the European Union is 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 planning on, on forcing Bitcoin companies to report all user balances and transactions to the authorities. And we're starting to see, we've said many times on the show that KYC is an attack on Bitcoin. And they're going to start using that KYC information as, as a vice on Bitcoin. And, and if you want to reduce the reliance on these centralized on-ramps and off-ramps that are getting pressured, the way to do that is a circular economy. The way to do that is instead of buying Bitcoin, you're earning Bitcoin. Instead of selling Bitcoin, you're spending Bitcoin. Yeah. It's, I mean, the issue it's, that is the weird... I don't know if it's a paradox. Maybe it is a paradox that the European politicians are bringing upon themselves like they're just going to force people off the exchanges and stoke a circular economy and people accepting bitcoin in non-kyc fashion where they're i don't think they're going to i think most people are just gonna cuck out they're gonna cave i mean that that's the problem that's what the problem with kyc period is it was the easy way out or the easy way to enter versus being responsible and having some self-accountability and holding your own keys Right. You know, that's one thing about ranchers, like at the end of the day, if we do something wrong, we have to pay the piper, right? If we left the gate open, if we left the stock tank running, whatever it happened to be, we have to have accountability for whatever it was. So that's why it's so easy for us to self-custody because it's just the way we live our life. 
And so that's one of those things. I mean, if you're going to allow yourself, your information, your store of value, your wealth to be controlled by a third party, you're just asking for trouble, you know, and, and you can't, you can't promote it enough. Like not your own keys, not your own Bitcoin. It, and that's just the way it's got to be. That's what I love about the rancher community. It's just that it's radical personal responsibility at its core. Yeah. And that's, yeah, just gets to an interesting point. Why has personal responsibility been completely sidetracked in modern times and like are individuals like yourself ranchers like the last bastion of reminding people why personal responsibility is not only important but is worthwhile well i'll tell you what our marine corps drill instructor said <laughs> it was the mothers of america coddling their kids not letting them hot touch the hot stove not letting them wreck on their bicycle making them wear a helmet that's where it started because it used to be that the only time that you came home was when mom flashed the porch light at the end of the day for you to come home. Otherwise, you were out experiencing it yourself. Eating lead paint. <laughs> Eating lead paint, peeling the lead nail heads off your tin roof, whatever it happened to be. You know what I mean? And so the Marine Corps drill instructors say, Mothers of America have made all you guys soft. Whereas ranching, I let my kids feel the hot stove. I let them get run over by the crazy cow. I let them wreck on their bike, learn to drive a truck at 10 years of age, all of those things so they can face the pain and all of the, the lessons that come with it, right? With the idea that I'm going to send them out into the world to be the leaders of the next generation because everybody in town coddles their kids. They don't allow them to have that self-accountability that comes with all the mistakes that you made that you're supposed to let those kids make. So then I have a provocative, controversial tangent to go off of that. Is the Bitcoin community on Twitter specifically uh, that tries to like, uh, they act almost pater paternalistic to, to people, to noobs saying like, don't, don't use shit coins. Don't like, should we just let, let them all touch the stove? Let them learn their lesson. Are well, we being are we being the mothers of America? We should let everybody learn a damn lesson. That's all it is at all times. And if because it always, like I said from the beginning, Bitcoin exposes the truth. So if you want to be a shit corner, you're passionate about shit coin. You've got that idealistic bullshit that goes on with a lot of the shit coins. Then go for it, man. Go piss on that hot wire fence and see what happens. Yeah, I actually you heard it here first, freak. Slim wants you to go deposit on the Binance KYC hundred uh, <laughs> X leverage on. Uh, well, some well, did they just not learn the lesson? So I actually, I actually had like a a fatherly like don't literal don't not don't touch the stove, but don't touch the fire pit lesson this week where we make a sunday fire we have my brother over some friends it's a very low fire pit very low fire pit and my son is almost three like I, he helps me build the fire and i teach him like hey this is hot and he knows and when we put the top on mm -hmm. i let him know like you can't touch it it's hot and that's the point i'm trying to make like i tell him like it's going to be hot if you touch it and not that I like let him touch it, but I watched him touch it, and he realized it was hot, and I doubt he'll touch it again. So going back to the shitcoin analogy, you can just be like, hey, I wouldn't recommend it, but if people are going to go do it, like I'm not going to stop you. Well, My son's fine, by the way. It's well, still important to talk about it. You don't have to force it. Well, that's just it. It's education, right? Yeah. You, you have to give people the opportunity to make the right decision. And at the end of the day, if they refuse to make the right decision, right. it's on them. Let them learn their lesson. Yeah. Absolutely. Give them the tools 
like what you guys do with education, give them the tools to make the right decision. If that they can't not play, you got to let them pay the stupid fees. hundred percent. And that's just what we, it comes down we, to. By the way, we have a non in the comments saying this is rancher hole recap, which I thought was clever. That's, that's nice. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. We've had rancher hole ones. though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, Marty. <laughs> Sounds like a porno. <laughs> Marty has a lot of experience. Uh, That's only only ranchers. Uh, we'll segue that into Clark's dashboard. The current price of Bitcoin right. is 17204 cuck bucks. One cuck bucks is going to get you 5813 cents. We are at block height 766525 which is exactly 220000 525 blocks. Marty brings up porn every episode. Since I was last year. Don't watch porn freaks. Uh, we had the largest difficulty adjustment since July of 2021 since we met last week, and that was a negative 7.3% adjustment. We are currently 1,570 blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment, which is estimated to be an upward adjustment of 10% right now. Blocks have been screaming in at nine minutes and six seconds on average since Monday. Uh, there are only 163 transactions in Clark's mempool. One sat per byte fees are going to go through. And Samurai Whirlpool, all-time high, above 6,000. 6,071.37 Bitcoin unspent capacity. All those Europeans fleeing the regs. <laughs> <laughs> that or Sparrow. Maybe like Sparrow's been getting a bump. People have been... I mean, Sparrow's amazing. Yes. And Marty finally discovered it, so we're getting the Marty effect. I mean, I discovered it. I was shilling it. I went on Sean Avery, uh, former pro hockey players podcast, and he asked me about it because he, he reads the newsletter. He's like, Sparrow Wallet. This thing looks cool. Yeah. Explain it to me. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's the Marty cool. effect. You Here know, we go. You know how Whirlpool got added to Sparrow, right? Was it? Like a year ago, year and a half ago, Craig Raw was on Civil Dispatch, and I basically convinced him live on air to add it. <laughs> and he's such a beast. He added it like a month later. Smart that he added it. Like, he can support. Yeah, he actually makes revenue on an open source wallet, doesn't need to take any investment, doesn't even need to like incorporate it. There's no corporation. It's just a dude in South Africa collecting sats as revenue on his open source wallet. I mean, that is the beauty That's- of what Samurai created with Whirlpool. Like, do you think they're the first truly like end-to-end company run on a Bitcoin standard? Well, there's a lot of like Seals with clubs, Satoshi Dice. Satoshi Dice was like the one example I was. Seals with clubs is the poker site that I lost all my Bitcoin on early on in my Bitcoin uh, journey. Uh, That was Bitcoin only. Uh, We were just talking about nitrogen sports. Just lost some Bitcoin on Team USA. I got forty to one when they were down two zero. It was a bad bet. Just degened in. We were. We I were. even said, "Stay humble, stack sats." As I clicked that, <laughs> <laughs> forty to one. I mean, did you? Were you watching the game? It was pretty. Yeah. So, we were- what, so I was. I'm. Uh, was it? We have Keita in the room. You were the one who tweeted at me. You were like, "Is this our year?" Uh, about the USA World Cup team, right? Like two months ago or something. Oh, yeah. um, and I looked at it. I was like, I can't engage with this tweet because we're just gonna lose. Um, but I, I, I'm a strong enough, uh, us soccer fan that I knew not to place the bet until after we went down one zero. So I, we sat down to watch the game. I was like at one zero, the odds are going to flip. 
and I'm going to place my first bet there, and then I doubled down at two zero because I got forty to one. And that's the tales of Matt's Degen. Uh, I'm so happy I never got into gambling. But the important thing, I was supporting a Bitcoin-only business, which is where we came from. Well, and that's just it. It's <laughs> part of the Bitcoin circular economy. Exactly. You just had to put it back in. And the funny, the funny thing about nitrogen is they're OGs. Um, you know, people on Twitter like to argue about bits versus sats, even though sats already won. Uh, they use MBTC on nitrogen sports, which I think is a hundred thousand sat. Like a hundred sats is a bit. I think a hundred thousand sats is a MBTC, but they're stuck in their ways. They've just been around for like nine years, so that's what they use. Let me check that. Marty's Marty's checking the conversion. Have either of you ever heard of MBTC? Uh, I'm interested in pounds of beef for pounds of beef. Satoshi's. <laughs> what's what's the current pounds of beef per sats rate? That's a great question. I don't have that information in front of me. <laughs> it's a hundred thousand sats. Clark, you should put that on the dashboard. I was right, right? A hundred thousand sats. Yeah. I, see, I price all the units in sats now. That's what the bits people don't realize. Is like bits finally make sense to me because it's a hundred sats. Yeah, we talked about this last week. Yeah. Sats well, are just easier. We do this every week, so just <laughs> Yeah. Well, you have to reinforce. I'm also the guy who tweets out "Stay humble, stack sats" every morning, so repetition is key. And <laughs> goes forty to one on the U.S. when they're down. Well, I knew we were going to be down anyway. Can't stop believing. Yeah, but if he was going to win, he was going to win big. It's true. If I won, we would not be talking about it on air. <laughs> Stay humble. <laughs> Try setting up some some losses. Uh, let's go to the list. DCG owes Gemini customers $900 million. Is this just from? Yeah. Just the loan that they gave. Barry owes, owes Gemini customers $900 million. Gemini earned customers that have their withdrawals. Oh, Gemini. I, for some reason I was thinking Genesis. Well, Genesis owes, I did a little editorializing. Mm. Genesis owes Gemini. So Barry owes Gemini users. That's a pretty big hole in his pocket. If you're a user out there who has your funds frozen on Gemini Earn, it's Barry who owes you money. So this is a product of Genesis lending money out to Alameda, that getting burnt. And to Three Arrows. And to Three Arrows. And to DCG. And that's where the uh, the Gemini yield was coming from, from FTX 3AC. It's what we talked about when 3AC went out. It's like everyone was like, oh, we're using AAA lenders, like the best lenders ever to, to generate your quote unquote yields to get that interest on the loans. But it was really just, at the end of the day, it's just degen traders. And then you just like launder the reputation through. Yeah. Do you see that Kyle Davies interview earlier this week where he's explaining like in some of the final days of 3AC? He just got like a billion dollars. Yeah. He made a phone call. He's like, yeah, I got $900 million in a phone call. It's like, what the hell was going on? No due diligence. That's going to be the interesting thing to watch going forward is how conservative do lenders get, capital allocators get. Like, does this bring actual due diligence nope. back? Nope. I'm just going to turn interest rates down, turn the money printer on. Everybody's going to be like, don't care. Spray and pray. Yeah, I mean, uh, interest rates going up kind of does it, right? Because then you could just go into T-bills for like 5.5%, so you don't have to. But they're going to pivot at some point. They have to. The question is, do interest rates actually even go down when they pivot? Because if inflation's running hot, then rates should stay up anyway, right? 
Yes. Not an economist. I just humbly stack sets. I mean, that's what the Fed <laughs> would occasionally, say. Every four years, bet on the USA and lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Fed would say, I mean, Jerome Powell came out earlier this month and said, hey, maybe we'll start uh, halting hikes, which. No, would, no, they're like raising less, right? Raising yeah. Less. Raising less. <laughs> yeah. Smaller steps, but just plenty and more the steps. The market pumped on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does DCG go under? I mean, I'm a fan of chaos. Uh, so I, I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing if that happened. Uh, it would suck for a lot of people, end users, like the Gemini people, right? They probably don't. There's ways for them to get out of it while just like ruining their future business. How? The- like GBTC just mints money. Like, did they wind up raising that billion dollars? No. Yeah. Who the fuck would give them a billion dollars? Exactly. The only people that might give them a billion dollars are people that are bullish on Bitcoin and then you might as well just buy Bitcoin instead of going into that clusterfuck. And then the only ones left over, I think we talked about this last week too, but we just repeat things over and over again is, is people that somehow are in the hole on DCG already, like existing investors, right? Like if you have a massive bag of DCG equity, you might want to save them just so it doesn't all go belly up. Yeah. I mean, but that's the FTX play. Yeah. That's just what I was going to say is how do you dig out of a deeper hole? You got us quit digging. Yeah. So how would they even justify it? I mean, they haven't justified it yet. Nobody has. Um, but they did the more malicious tactic of just halting withdrawals. It's, it's, I still surprises me to this day that, uh, um, SBF didn't do that. Because that's what Gox did, right? Gox realized they were insolvent. They owed 800,000 Bitcoin. So they halted withdrawals for like three months before like actual bankruptcy happened. Um, meanwhile, SBF, you know, let people withdraw like $5 billion and then went bankrupt. If you if you halt withdrawals, you delay the whole process. Yeah. Well, that's purpose. What, yeah, that's what everybody's trying to say, or at least the people trying to help SBF out here. Like, oh, it's a prototypical bank run. That's what brought them down. We have Aang Band in the comments saying, I love how Marty thinks that we just solved greed smiley face. How, I, I read that. I don't know how, when did I ever portray that we solved greed? Well, when you said like, are we going to have, you know, our capital allocators not going to misallocate? <laughs> are they actually going to do real due diligence? I mean, it's a product of the fiat world, right? Maybe post-hyper-Bitcoinization. Well, you think if you're actually greedy... You'd want to find the deal that has the best chance of getting you money, right? Or no, maybe the deal has the best narrative. Could be all there. Well, when money was cheap, it's like you just throw money around, right? It's like the classic spray and pray, search for high yield, quote unquote yield. Well, and if you can get a uh, TV commercial with big name people shilling your product, you can probably. Oh, let's talk about the Brady Giselle. Brady and Giselle got divorced to protect their assets from the FTX Ponzi blowing up. They went to the Bahamas in August. I don't like this type of speculation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sourcing BitBoy crypto on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your source? You actually did have good sources. You uh, timed up a Bahamas trip. Yeah, the Bahamas trip was known. Like all the all the both the New England and Tampa Bay sports fans all knew about the Bahamas trip. They were there in August. And then all of a sudden they were getting divorced and it happened really quick. Like their divorce happened 
in a, in the course of like three months right before FTX blew up. Yeah. <laughs> and they were front and center. I mean, that, that, that commercial you in is like a straight up Ponzi scheme commercial. They're like calling line cooks and shit. They're like, <laughs> Tom Brady's like, get in, you know? Get in, make sure you buy some FTT token right after you get in. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me at all because I mean, they're collectively worth over a billion, right? Nobody knows. So you would. And it was an amicable divorce too. When did those happen? They were like, oh, everything's clean. We're just going to just split up the assets and we're good. They're called conscious uncouplings yeah. and they happen every once in a while. Well, especially if you have billions of dollars involved, of course, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not by accident. It's, yeah, it's perfect for an amicable divorce. Yeah. Like, what do we call it? A, a conscious decoupling? Uncoupling. Who was that? <laughs> yeah, it was Gwyneth Paltrow. Chris, oh, she's a scammer too, right? Martin. What's her thing called? Goop? Is she Goop? Yeah. Yeah, Goop. She sells uh, weird products to people. What's your most famous product, Marty? I think it's like, I don't know. It's... <laughs> He can't say it's on too, air. It's too demonic. I've been I've been doing RHR with Marty for over four years, so now I just try and get him to say things. <laughs> <laughs> Was she the one selling like the uh, say it, Marty? Like the the face lotion you put on is like a foreskin in it. Sandra Bullock had the foreskin thing, so it wasn't going to neutral. I wanted you to say the jade egg. What was the jade egg? You don't know what the jade egg is? Oh, is that something you used to? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> the pelvic pelvic floor exerciser. Ah, there we go. There you go. Conscious uncoupling. That's very fiat. From your jade egg. But yeah, no, I think that was I, that divorce is super sketchy. Super sketchy. Yeah. I mean, because what was the? I mean, the justification that the public was told to run with was that. Giselle didn't like that Tom wasn't retiring. Right. So you got to know he's the goat. He's going to keep going until he dies. And like three, he didn't announce, he didn't just announce that he wasn't retiring. She had already earlier said that she supported him not retiring. The timing was impeccable. Yeah. And then she went to Costa Rica, like right after the Bahamas, and she was with her jujitsu instructor that everyone said (laughs) she was cheating with. But like all those stories just like conveniently went to page six at the New York Post to her buddies. It adds up. I like this theory. I'm going to respond to you. I like this theory. Yeah. It would make sense. It would be smart of them. And then Tom Brady had that press conference where he was like, there's a lot of shit going on right now. That was right after the Bahamas trip. Yeah. So do you think he knew? Yeah, I think they were told. I think I think uh, SBF told them in the Bahamas. It's hey, like, this hey, shit guys. is not... Hey guys, I'm going down. Yeah. <laughs> you should probably get a divorce. <laughs> it's been planned from the beginning. Yeah, so we uh, misappropriated a couple of user deposits. Uh. <laughs> you do get SBF boys. You probably want to get a divorce. Save yourselves. Speaking of signal, major FOMO from the Bitcoin Africa conference. Oh, same. And the one that's going on in Mexico right now. Bitcoin plus Nifty. plus, yeah. Um, I saw the uh, the mutiny boys in the commons this week. They were preparing for a trip to Mexico City. I was yep. jealous. They just came on civil dispatch. Monday rip came yeah. came in second in the League of Legends. If you're not usually subscribed to the civil dispatch YouTube, but you're listening to us now, it's the previous video from this. <laughs> Go check it out. Yeah, um, 
I hopped into that for like uh, 45 minutes. There's so much nuance with privacy on Lightning. I know. It's a fucking mess. It really is. It's easier than using a credit card privately, though. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to use a credit card privately. So Exactly. Um, yeah, so what was your favorite thing coming out of Africa? I mean, we have on the list Strike launches the remittance product for Africa in partnership with Bitnob. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so I mean, most people don't realize uh, how that how that's working. I mean, if you're a Strike user in the Strike app, you can just put in someone's phone number that's in Africa, and their that, bank that uses like M-Pesa or their bank account information, and then Bitnob handles the routing. But I don't think they need to be Bitnob users. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because Bitnob just launched that the M-Pesa integration. M-Pesa integration. Not every M-Pesa yeah. user needs to be a Bitnob user, but a, Bitnob has access to that API, I imagine. Yeah, it's it's a different tab in the Strike app. It's like send globally, and then you put in a phone number or the... Like, obviously, Strike is a permission-centralized entity. Yeah, but... Um, but it's still cool to see another... I mean, so is Western Union. That's what they were, a lot of them were using already, and they were getting charged 40%. And you have like instantaneous remittance. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I have a lot of customers that pay in Strike just because it's convenient for them. Right. And it's a beautiful thing. Then I can either choose to pay fiat bills or sweep it into cold storage. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, I saw a couple people demoing it. Like you saw it. Yeah. He actually launched it on stage. Yeah. Um, but they said that the fees were significantly cheaper than Western Union transfer wire. Jack uh, Mahler's feels, you know, he is uh, not happy that what he announced on stage at Bitcoin 2022 hasn't been released yet. He's still working on it, um, but he is actively making an attempt to only announce things when they're about to launch now. So he literally launched it on stage. I like to see that. Yeah. And I, they, have, they have a lot more in, in, uh, in the roadmap on that remittance product too. Yeah, it's really cool. I like that collab too, because Bernard from Bitnob is amazing. Is amazing. Love that dude. Um, it's cool to see. I mean, that's a, a direct attack on the incumbent. Remote. Not an attack. Words matter. Yeah, it's true. It's a peaceful money transfer protocol. Uh, yeah, I was saying it's, it's eating into the. It will inevitably because it's a better product. Marty likes faster analogies. Cheaper. I don't actually. I just had a whole three-hour episode on. <laughs> I don't like that type of language. Here I am using it. Bitcoin is not a weapon. Bitcoin is not an attack. It's, it's, not a, peaceful, it's a peaceful, nonviolent tool. Yes. That anybody can participate in. Um, what else happened in Africa? This is a massively successful conference. I feel really bad that I couldn't make it, but we were hosting this amazing Beef Initiative event here in Nashville, and uh, I'm very excited to be here for this. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're also... Um, We've got the Cattlemen's Association event on Saturday. Extremely too. intimidated. Why are you intimidated? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I've presented in front of Bitcoiners a million times. I was intimidated when I went to Jason's ranch. It was actually really cute because I was super humbled to meet Jason. He was super humbled to meet me. Um, I was a total fanboy, to be totally honest. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> should, I mean, should we be nervous, man? No. My dad is excited to meet everybody tonight. So yeah. So, Dr. Brooke Miller. It's healthy intimidation. It is. That's what it is. Yeah. It's. People usually are intimidated by him when they first see him, but that might be a 
I mean, they're all going to be wearing like their cowboy best, you know. Yeah, your dad is jacked. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the beautiful thing about that is like it, it's good to be intimidating, especially in the ranching industry. And that's it, it brings obligation to, you know, look people in the eyes. That's what I always got from it, from being raised, you know, how I was raised. I mean, Jason knows what I'm talking about. And if you if you go into a, a conversation with rancher and somebody like Brooke Miller, man, you're you're impressed because he has integrity and you can see integrity. A lot of people that don't understand true integrity and that type of obligation, then they do. They don't know how to act. And I think we've kind of stolen that from a lot of generations that have come up underneath, you know, me and Jason especially. So um, I think it's a good thing. I'm Hell yeah, it's going to be intimidating up there, man. <laughs> we got the, 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 the whole collection of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. It's a very diverse people. It's a very diverse beliefs, but we're all wanting one thing is to be, you know, cattleman. So, you know, it, it'll, it'll be something that's never been done before. Here we go. You yeah, know, I mean, yeah, like I said, I think I'm healthily, health, healthy, intimidated. Oh, yeah. Me but too. also like you texted me and you're like, Matt, do the Cattlemen's Association with us. Mm -hmm. I was, yes. I just replied yes right away. Yeah. And I, I went to Jason and Cole because, you know, they're going to be up there with us both. And, you know, Cole's different from Jason, but they all have the same purpose and they all have a protocol that's solid. And, you know, it is, you know, Jason goes, well, we might be going into the belly of the beast. Cole said the same thing. He's like, we better watch out. And that does come from, you know, some, you know, just how people are in the cattle industry. There's a lot of people out there in the cattle industry that love what Jason's doing and Cole is doing, but they might not have the opportunity to, to get that deep into how Cole and Jason has. And so there comes some, you know, within in that whole industry, you know, as ranching right now in this modern day, you know, there, there's intimidation within the ranching industry. And I know that a lot of regenerative farmers and ranchers feel that. And, you know, it's something that we're trying to bridge within the beef initiative. You know, I'm talking yesterday, you know, last night, the beef initiative is about building relationships again, like we have to used to have in the cattle industry when we didn't go subsidized, commoditized. And so that's what we're looking to do. And I think this is the, the best opportunity in our lifetimes to be able to do something like this. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I mean, if you look at the opportunities that we have today with digital communication and the people that we can reach with our signal and um, communicate what we do and why we do it, because there's a lot of organizations that wanted the cattle ranchers to be quiet, just follow our protocols and be silent, um, keep selling into the commodity market and uh, keep struggling and uh, let us make all the money, may be the profitability. Whereas organizations like U.S. Cattlemen's and others, they are all about the voice of the American rancher in Washington, D.C., and also in all of their individual states um, to give those ranchers a voice. And that's a perfect marriage between the Beef Initiative and these kinds of organizations because we're tired of being poor and we're tired of being silent. And that's why we're speaking up. And that's why we're doing the work that we're doing to help as many cattle ranchers keep that money at their farm gate so those businesses can be viable 
for the next generation. And that's what my focus is. It's a, it's a weird balancing act, right? Because the instinct is almost to say all this bullshit. I just want to ignore the bullshit. I don't want to be involved with the large corporations. I don't want to be involved with DC. But if, if you don't have some kind of presence, if you're not active, then you just get left behind. That's totally accurate because it's one of those things where we all work hard, right? Cattle ranchers are totally independent and we're not afraid of hard work. So our idea is, is just work harder. It'll get better if we work harder Right. <laughs> and uh, ignoring all the noise. Well, what happens is if you don't have a seat at the table, you're going to get left behind. And so that's why we're giving the American rancher a voice again through the beef initiative. That's why we, you know, agreed to come and speak here at us cattlemen's, you know, annual meeting, because we think it's important the marriage that we have between Bitcoin and beef and giving the American ranchers that true voice so they can have the successes that they deserve. And, uh, and to kind of maybe buck the system on the multinational big packers and importers uh, so we can keep some more of those dollars here on U.S. soil. So that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge deal. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things I've learned most over the last year as we've developed our relationship on our podcast, I've been buying beef directly from Cole and Brooke, um, is really need to educate the consumer. Like you need to advocate for your rancher because if this trend keeps going the way it has been, you're not going to have quality food. And so- yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, going into this, I knew it was going to be difficult because we have a sense of complacency and we have a sense of manipulation on many levels when it comes to our food. Well, it's the same in the beef industry and not too many people are aware of that. And so the education is key. And when it really comes down to the simple fact that the reason we're here, the number one reason we're here is because you and me, even Jason, even Matt, everybody in this room, we allowed it to happen by our consumer demand. So that's on us to say, shit, well, maybe I should pay attention to what food really is. Look at the health of a nation and then let's look at food. Well, it's not even like driving the consumer demand to buy directly from the rancher. It's also having the consumer advocate on behalf of you guys. Exactly. what I want. Right. Well, and that's the amazing thing with, with social media and digital presence is you have everybody sitting at home on their couch or scrolling on their phone that can actually do something. They can communicate the truths and how important it is to promote your local rancher. Like, hey, there's a sale going on at K&C Cattle. Meet in Austin. Meet wherever to buy their beef. Hey, Rick Ranches has a, a deal going on, you know, ground beef bundles, whatever that happens to be. Spread that signal. And all it is is a few keystrokes. And you can make an impact on the bottom line of those small family farms and ranches. And it's so much better. We had uh, K&C Cattle ground beef meatballs last night. They were incredible. I mean, me and Steve yeah. were talking about uh... – the maple syrup and uh, soap, uh, maple syrup guy and his sister, the soap mm-hmm. lady. Yeah. Uh, we don't know their names. Exactly. We don't know their names. We They got on Oshi, right? And they got very excited about it. And all it took was a couple retweets, right? It wasn't even strokes. It was just, you know, you just click the retweet button and then they had exposure. 
the and full doing great. Yeah, the full integration was uh, it's bees nerds. I call him Maple Guy. Maple, you know? Maple Guy and Soap Lady. Yeah, and Soap Lady, and her name is Sarah. But she does. I mean, <laughs> I it's just I, I found <laughs> out today. I'm sorry, Sarah. No. <laughs> But she, you know, she's not on Twitter even. But what happened is he heard me and I think it was Adam Curry on a podcast. And then he looked at me and then we we're talking about, you know, beef. And he goes, well, shit. He goes, I got maple syrup I can't sell. And so all of a sudden, Michael with Oshie's calling him up, getting him onboarded and everything. All of a sudden, he st- it was one or two retweets of his maple syrup. He was sold out. He's been sold out ever since now and saw Bitcoin. Well, that went into basically his sister's doing soap. She can't sell soap. She's a nurse. Now she's basically selling out of soap. So I, I just called them all up and I said, hey, man, ship some stuff down here to basically the, the micro summit because now we've got Clara and Fritz. They do tallow based skin cream. We've got Charles. He does Faro. All these people are, it's been a simple couple of retweets, just like Jason says. And even within the Beef Initiative Index, every rancher I've talked to was like Todd Will out of Arkansas. He made me a freaking cutting board out of six different woods off his ranch. He called me up. All he had was a phone number and an address. And I said, put your name in there. Well, he's increasing his herd this next year. Everybody I've talked to, it's been that simple. And it's it's a kind of a center point. It's ground zero to be able to start this. And it doesn't have to be beef. It's about everything. And it's just people spend so much time on these phones and these gadgets and stuff like that, that it really is that simple saying, you know, the first time you ate Cole's meatballs or the ground beef, you're never going back ever again. You want to talk about that. And so every rancher out there has that same product and it is our responsibility, especially us Bitcoiners. We have an obligation now to put our damn foot down because this shit's about to get out of control. Yeah. And then the ginger hill Angus beef is incredible too so it is it's closer to where we spend our summers in jersey <laughs> so we filled our freezer up with ginger, ginger hill angus beef and the bird like it's funny i had to sell my in-laws on it they're like what you're buying a freezer and a quarter cow and you're putting it in? i'm like yes trust me it'll work my father-in-law's a big cook first night we made burgers and they're like oh wow this is noticeable i think you were over that night too might have been no i was wrong And that's the thing about every rancher is that unique. That's what, I mean, holy cows here. What's Todd's ranch in Arkansas called? It's W-E-Y-H-L, Will Ranch. A free cast. Okay, yeah. Well, and, you know, I I have a beef customer who was uh, vegan for seven years. (laughs) She was in a car wreck, major brain traumatic injury, never could recover and i actually overheard her in a coffee shop talking to one of her friends how she's struggling in recovery and of course me being me i'm (laughs) like are you having any animal protein in your diet because animal fats is what builds your brain right and so if you are not eating consuming animal protein and animal fats you're never going to get what you need and she kind of looked at me crossways she says i haven't eaten meat i haven't touched meat in seven years and i'm like well, if you're interested, I will help you in your road to recovery. I will go home and I will get a package of fillets, the easiest, finest, whatever texture meat. I'll give them to you. Go home, thaw them out, eat one, get back to me. 
Two weeks later, she calls me back in tears, absolute in tears. She's like, I made six months worth of recovery in two weeks. I'm like, I told you, you have to feed your brain, right? That's what you, that was your body was lacking. She's been buying a quarter of a beef for me ever since. Her son, who was vegetarian, buying a quarter. Their da- her daughter buys a quarter of a beef for me also. It's one of those things where the doctors wouldn't tell them that. Nope. The physical therapists wouldn't tell them that. I mean, and listening to this, her talk about it, I was like, I know what you need. I know what you're lacking, right? Let me be your doctor and let me help you heal. And um, you hear those stories more and more and more all the time. It's hilarious. I've only had doctors tell me like, eat less red meat. I'm like, no. Yeah, exactly right. And so, so I mean, that's one of those incentives, broken incentives. Yeah, it always comes back to the incentives. Yep. That's also why Twitter is a fucking godforsaken app. Yeah. Incentives are broken. Yeah. Love hate relationship with that app. The Mm. deep state wanted to stop Bitcoin. There's a big incentive there to co-op somebody like SPF too. Yeah, or they could just KYC <laughs> every exchange and then force them to. That's true. Give over all user balances. Let's, and let's talk about that. What are the EU? We'll segue into that topic. Well, I mean, first you should avoid void KYC, but if you don't avoid KYC, you should withdraw to your own custody. Is the number one rule. And then from there, you should start learning how to use collaborative transactions to have at least forward privacy. Because if you think about what's the information that they're going to get, right? They're going to get your full identification information, KYC, uh, and they're going to get your withdrawal addresses. And then if they have your withdrawal addresses, then they can get all future transactions, real-time balances. And that's where the collaborative transactions such as CoinJoin really come. They, they really become helpful, right? Mm, this is not break that forward-looking that forward privacy issue. Yes. But this is a proposed law. It hasn't been. It's going to pass. You think so? Yeah. It doesn't pass now. It'll pass in six months, a year. It's, it's going to happen everywhere. I have a tweet from 2018 where I say it's going to happen. If anything, it's taken longer than I've expected. It's obvious. It's the easiest attack vector. Uh, I, I agree. It's like I'm just thinking of the bent I wrote last night. Um, here's again, the KYC, AML is the illicit activity. We've been saying that for years. It harms more people than it helps. And we just need to help people pierce the veneer of the propaganda that these unproductive class members put out there. So last night I was writing about Rishi Sunak. Last year, COP26, he was up there uh, proclaiming that 80% of the global economy has agreed to a net zero carbon future. It's like, no, it had like 80% of the global, the economy is made up of individuals making individual choices based on their needs at any given point in time. More and more people need to recognize like a statement like that and be like, that's pure propaganda. What really happened is 80% of the unproductive class made up of politicians, central banks, asset managers, and the like made this decision on behalf of 80% of the world's 6.4 billion people. Like 6.4 billion people didn't raise their hand and say, I want net zero carbon future. Similar to KYC AML, like... Uh, we need this to protect. There's like 12 people that want KYC AML. <laughs> exactly. And they're all demons in the fat of offices. <laughs> well, and that's the thing that's always surprising to me is if you define non-productive people. So like in my reality, you have feed, clothe, and house. If whatever it is that you do isn't directly related to those three things, 
in my world, you were a non-productive member of society. But that percentage is less than 3% of the entire world's population. So everybody has to look in at themselves to see where they lie and what they can do to make a more positive impact on everyone else. You know, food, clothes, house. Those are, those are the pr- productive people. And we talked about this last week with the emergence of AI. Yeah. Uh, many uh, of the unproductive people are going to get their weak-ass jobs taken. What was the quote? Work. There won't be robot plumbers. There won't be robot plumbers. <laughs> no. Well, there the- probably won't be robot ranchers either. There are robot milkers and feeders, but not the actual expertise to do the animal welfare work itself. Could a robot ever learn that? Well, the robot's just going to create lab-grown meat. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Got to think outside the box. Well, they wouldn't. They they're not even. If it keeps on going, and our consumption models don't change as far as you know, citizens that consume the multinationals' food, then there's going to be a time where you can just say, "Why? What are you talking about, robot ranchers? There's not even any American ranchers left." That's. That's as about as profound as you can say right there, because that's one thing going back to the complacency is because the rancher doesn't have a voice. He doesn't have a digital voice. He had a voice whenever he was strong, like let's say in the 50s and 60s, but he was still speaking to his community. He wasn't trying to speak to the world. Whenever we went to a digital world, that rancher got left behind in so many different ways. And, and he is never heard now and and people have tried we have certain platforms on the internet that you know they're really trying to give a rancher a voice but it's still a centralized form of communications until you can decentralize to where a rancher feels like he's back in that two-party line system talking to his neighbor and that that can be digitized in a way that he does have a voice again then that's when people will lose that complacency and that's kind of the good feedback that we've received this year. And the first time I talked to Jason, you know, and I said, well, you tell me, tell me what is your why? And he goes, first and foremost, I'm an educator. He goes, that's what I do every day of my life. I said, well, we're going to get you there to where you actually are the best educator in the United States of America. And I told Cole the same way. He's going to educate in different ways. Every rancher that comes forward has a voice now through the Beef Initiative, and they're starting to see that. And I think it's very important that we do change our consumption model back into that focuses on the rancher, our audio, our video, all the way down into the fork that, that beef you're putting in your mouth. Because then that gives us the opportunity to do what we do best, steward the land, steward the animals, and rely on people who are experts in their fields to help us communicate, you know, and get out to the world and and tell our stories the way that they need to be told. And and that's the fascinating thing about it. Number one TV show is Yellowstone. Let's all get cowboyed up and ranchered up, right? Well, shit, man, the real Yellowstone is sitting right next to me. Yeah, there's like this nostalgic yearning to to live vicariously through. I mean, Yellowstone's a psyop, right? Yeah, pretty much. It's it, well, you don't like that word, but yeah, it is a psyop. I, I mean, I just, I think I think the word psyop is a psyop. It's it's a it's a dramatic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a dramatic series. And one thing about it is, and here I am dating myself, but whenever I was a kid, man, I saw. 
I saw when Urban Cowboy came out. It was a classic 70s movie, man. It was a disco two-step and whatever the hell it was, divorce movie. But, uh, you know, what was fascinating is the nation overnight went out and got freaking cowboy hats and shit. And so that's fine. Let's play that game. Y'all want to cowboy up? Well, let's cowboy up with the real ranchers, not the psyop called Yellowstone. (laughs) Well, I was getting on the plane in Denver, and I don't know how many people said, hey, aren't you on that movie Yellowstone? <laughs> so you <laughs> no. said yes. Right? No, no, I'm not. I'm the real deal, that's is what, what I try, told them. You cash it in for a free beer. Free voucher, yeah. There you go. I have a question for you guys. First class upgrade. My wife and I really want our oldest to be in a, a mutton busting competition. How do we get him into that? Man, uh, contact the local uh, FFA all that kind of stuff in the, in the schools, but go ahead. So your county, if your county fair is where they do it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Whoever the stock producer is for the county fair is who puts that on. So like in where I'm at in, in Delta County, Colorado, you have like the um, stock contractor that cor- that contracts with a sheep rancher who brings his yearling lambs in to ride for mutton bussing. Yeah. It's definitely it. worth putting them on backwards. Yeah. So when the sheep plows into the fence at the other end, it's their butt that hits, not, not their, their head. head. I mean, you guys have met my son. He'd be great at mutton bussing. Yes, you have to do this. It's a requirement. We had a, He's, You're going to train him to be a bull rider. Yeah, we had our close friends come back from the Houston uh, rodeo last year, and they were like, this kid has to mutton bus. He was, he was made for it. Mm-hmm. We've been practicing in the living room. Yeah, you know, so my brother, I love that. My brother's back. My well done. Back. We just need uh, we need to get him on, officially on a mutton on a sheep. It's fascinating. It, you, you'll have a good time. Yeah. <sighs> I still have to go to my first rodeo. You haven't been to one. I can't wait to say it's my first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you want to? Do you, have you even Make looked it at out, Marty? <laughs> have you looked at them? Yeah, I think we're gonna go to the San Antonio one. This Are time. you? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So that that's a good entry for sure. Then you got to go to like the county. You got to go, you know, state level, region. And Lano has a cattle national. drive, right? Hmm? Doesn't Lano have a cattle drive? Or do they have a cattle uh, auction once a year, right? Yeah, they have a cattle auction. Yeah. Yeah. Lano's a good place to, they have a good rodeo out there. They just had one actually. Did they? Yeah. I didn't go to it. I was somewhere on the road. Go check out the original Cooper's Freaks. Yes. It's well worth the trip. Should we get through this list? Let's do it. I've been enjoying this, boys, but we have a list to get through. <laughs> Legends of Lightning tournament. The winners got announced. First prize, light sets. A pre-coiner self-on-ramp via tips and gifts. We take recipients by their hand, educate them about Bitcoin, instruct them on how to self-custody and show them how they can actually use Bitcoin right away. Overall winner, I believe they won... A Bitcoin for this, a whole Bitcoin. The prizes were pretty big. Yeah. I think they had at least six Bitcoin to give out, if I'm recalling correctly. No idea. No idea either. Uh, looking for, so this is Roland, Renee Aaron, and Juan were the three makers who built this. And then our boys at Mutiny got number two. Yes, they did. A lightning wallet in your browser. Oh, they tied. A lightning node in your browser. Oh, yeah. They had different tracks. So, um, LightSats was the first place winner for the global adoption track. Agrimint. John's actually explained this project to me. This was really cool. It's like a way to fund farmers, actually. Um, got first place for the Building for Africa track. Uh, self-sovereign micro-banking application for agricultural communities in Africa. Mutiny, obviously. Privacy-focused 
Lightning Wallet, and then LNVPN. This is cool to see. Um, got second place in the. Why are you laughing at me? Because I almost kicked the camera over. Oh, I thought. <laughs> and me and Keita made faces at each other. I thought we were having like you're reading the release notes moment. I mean, you don't have to read all of them. Or you can keep going. What? There's two more left. We'll just get through third place. Uh, no looking. Allows new node runners to quickly and privately fund their node and open channels with a single scan or click, all at a lower cost. That's third place, the global adoption, then bit payroll. With no looking specifically like collaborative transaction channel opens, right? I believe so. I think it's like a pay join lightning channel open. Oh no, it doesn't say it there. And then bit yeah, pay join. It's a pay join to open. And then bit payroll. Easy to use Bitcoin payroll platform for companies to pay their employees. It's got third place in the building for Africa track. Shout out to uh, Johns and Nick, everybody at Bolt.Fun putting this together. It was a marathon. It started in late, early October or late September. Went for like two and a half months. Yeah, I mean, it's a great initiative. Um I wish it was easier for us to cover the developments as it was going on. It was hard to keep track. Like I would have liked to give it more exposure and more commentary, but it was just really hard to keep track. Did, did you not feel that way too? I don't know. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But I mean, it's been going on for months. It's hard. Really. Yeah. You just like, it's hard to think about this type of tournament style hackathon. I mean, like the winners came out yesterday, right before we had our meetup. And it caught me by surprise. Like, I didn't know they were announcing the winners. And we're the people that cover the news every week. And it caught me by surprise, right? Did you know they were announcing the winners yesterday? Yeah, but that's only because I saw the uh, Mutiny Boys in the comments. Oh, fair enough. And they were waiting for it. They were working on it, yeah. But I literally had them on a Monday. I realized, <laughs> okay, whatever. Maybe it's on me. But I look forward to uh, the next one. It sounds like they're going to keep that. Starts it. at the beginning of next year, I think. There we go. They're going to keep rolling these. We'll cover that one better. I like the idea that it's like a marathon. It's not just a single day hackathon. It's a month-long process. Yeah. Multi-month long process. With workshops and meetups. And- <laughs> no, it's a great way too. The way they have Bolt Funds set up, it's like a quasi-social social network slash forum for people building on, on Lightning. So even if you have a project that you've just been working on yourself and you want to enter it into one of these tournaments, there are people part, that are part of the Bolt Fund community that are looking to get into the space and build on the space too. So if you're there building something by yourself and you're looking for help, putting it on bolt.fun is probably a good way to, to find somebody who's just as eager as you to build something and may be able to help you out. So definitely think about that. What do we got next? This was cool. We were talking about this earlier. Uh, block and Stillmark, right? Yep. Stillmark and Block led a $2 million funding round um, for a Bitcoin mining company in East Africa. You guys may have seen, uh, it's called Gridless. You may have seen videos uh, of Bitcoiners, I believe, Nick from Luxor, Marshall Long from Rhodium, uh, and a couple of others. Took a trip to Africa a few months ago, and uh, the common video they were sharing was like a mining operation working off a small hydro facility in some rural place. Micro hydro. Yeah, in Africa. And so this is what Gridless is doing. And the way I understand it, these uh, Gridless has basically got a problem where they can spin up these micro hydro um, uh, turbines that produce electricity. But uh, they basically have a pipe 
that running water runs through yes. and they, they throw a turbine in there. Yes, but they're it's such rural area, they don't have that many customers, and so they have to sell the electricity at a relatively high cost. What Bitcoin mining is uniquely suited to do is come in and consume uh, a lot of that electricity or use a lot of electricity to pr- produce revenue. Yeah, uh, so they have villi- like small rural villages that have no electricity. They come in, they put a new electricity project in, they subsidize with Bitcoin mining. Yes, exactly. So it's fucking dri- awesome. I think it drives the price from like 17 cents a kilowatt hour down to like four, three or four cents. And like they have pictures of some of the operations. It's like super bootstrappy and just really uh, a lot of just like creative engineering that's going on there. Yeah. So shout out to the team. I feel at like Curtis. there's a lot of overlap there with the ranching community. Like I would like to see like all these small producers have like little micro mining operations. And that's the cool thing is we have so much of our irrigation water is in pipe. So it's very seasonal when it runs. But as long as you have enough fall, you could put micro hydro in any of those pipes and then and utilize it to make electricity and mine Bitcoin, whatever your season run long is. And in Tennessee, you see a lot of nat gas wells on these properties too. Yeah, I mean, that's the first hash hut that we put down. I, I, you may have seen the video on Twitter, but it's literally our hash hut. There's a fence and there's grazing cattle yeah, right, right on the I love that side. picture. Yeah. It's well, a, that's a cool thing in Texas. I mean, you have all those you know, non-productive wells just waiting for an opportunity. All up and down the Texas panhandle. There, uh, I can't remember his name. His name was Bill. He came out to Colorado. He was West Texas. He's outside of Periton. But he came out. He was fascinated because all the stranded gas wells in the Texas panhandle. I mean, it just, you can smell it. You know, it's just, it's so untapped at this point. Well, we've talked about, we, me and you have talked about it, and I know Matt We've talked about it too, but like if you want to think about like a significantly robust circular economy, you talk about a ranch with excess natural gas or excess hydro, that's mining Bitcoin. You're tending to the land, producing cattle, and then you're producing money with your excess uh, natural gas, hydro, whatever it is. You want to talk about yielding revenue per acre on a farm, Bitcoin mining. Um, really allows you to supercharge the value you're getting out of your land. Man, it battles all the the droughts, all the manipulation in the commodity markets, hyperinflation, uh, extended cut dates where you can't harvest a cow. I mean, talk about saving the rancher. That was that is the circle of energy that we talk about. And if you're using an electric heater to heat a barn or a well yeah. house or a spring house, anyways, you're going to be burning electricity. You might as well mine Bitcoin. Use that miner as your heater you know, and put that stuff in cold storage for whatever it is that happens to go sideways when you need it. It's pretty cool seeing all the pleb engineering around uh, using S9s as heaters. Yeah. 3D printed parts and different ducts. And yeah. then if you're a rancher out there, Renaissance lately on Twitter. Yeah. And if you're a rancher out there, who's got excess hydro, excess gas in your land, but you don't have the capital to invest in a mining operation, like reach out to Bitcoin miners. You can go borrow it for Barry. (laughs) <laughs> that or no or you just broker a deal like with a miner you say hey i'll give you this electricity as a pastor i won't charge you for it just give me a rev share on the bitcoin mind and there is like a percentage if, if that elect that gas or hydro is just sitting there anyway you're not making any money off of it you can make a five percent sats flow stream um from or a miner yet if they're flaring it anyways yeah I mean, that's insane. I see how much they flare. It's just, that blows my mind. Talk about wasted dollars. Free money. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, we we're doing that here in Tennessee. Tom and I at Standard Bitcoin, we just up up north in northern Tennessee. There's a ton of farmland with these yeah. wells on it, like the one we're using with the cattle grazing next. So we just go to land and say, "Hey, we'll pay, we'll pay your land lease for the year. Just let us mine Bitcoin with your gas so you're not using." We're more than happy to do it. So. Well, that's that's what uh, I think a lot of, especially in Texas, where, where I come from. It's just we had to funnel that information. There's people out there that's going to be extremely interested. That was one thing that we found out doing the summit this year. You know, those type of possibility. As I, in the beginning, I said one of these days, ranchers are going to innovate further into Bitcoin than any of us right here because they have all the resources and once they understand it and they get that good education it's going to be fascinating we were at jason's ranch during the mining conversation we had yeah all of their eyes lit up yeah, really, and that was a damn good presentation you eating know. like the, the pumps and stuff too that they all right away it was and immediately yeah. obvious when one of us said uh uh uh, just like make sure you hire a licensed electrician or it's like dangerous or whatever. They're like, honey, this is not dangerous. <laughs> exactly. But and that was so classic. You know, they're talking about doing this and doing that as an underground coal miner that's dealing with 12,470 yeah. volts. <laughs> Household power is no big deal. No, then if. If you're a Bitcoiner and you really care about like the robustness and distribution of the network, like there's nothing better than getting small modular mining farms or mining data centers spread throughout rural farmland. Like there's nobody better to protect a Bitcoin mining operation than a rancher, a Mennonite. That has a rural be, Nigerian villages. Yeah, don't yep. don't come don't on my fucking. What's happening? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, moving off from group. Lists. Matt Matt's a big fan of this announcement. Ledger, I think it's sexy. It is sexy, don't it you is. think? I mean, the design sexy. It's the designer of the iPod. So, did you guys see the new Ledger? Did, don't you agree? The design's nice. Former iPod creator, co-iPhone creator. He's not going to make it though. The now the narrative is that Ledger's the the ESG friendly, the iPhone of Web three. Oh. No, you always you like. Do you just have like Google alerts set for web uh, for ESG? Uh, no, articles? this the no bullshit Bitcoin. I think they shared the block article where I found it. Oh, did it say it in the block article? Yeah. Um, no, they had a separate article where they were trying to say they're they're the Apple of Web three is Ledger, um, but it's a full e ink mobile first hardware wallet. Presumably, like you can show NFTs on it and stuff. Is why they wanted the big screen. Yeah, same. it's a touch screen e ink. Same secure element as the NMX and all that stuff. I or? have no idea. Yeah. I'm not going to buy one. Neither am I. Uh, Matt, we have Matt Keita in the audience asking if uh, if you could flash it with Bitcoin only. I I mean, the problem is that Ledger is a completely closed source product. I like Ledger, like to my shitcoining friends, I tell them to buy a Ledger because I'd rather them self custody their shitcoins. You know, not your keys, not your shitcoins. Um, <laughs> So I tell them get a ledger for the shit coins and then get a cold card for the Bitcoin. Uh, oh, by the way, that reminds me. Um, we had the multi-sig question last week and then I got a ton of inbound uh, freaked out freaks about that question. For 99% of people, 
if you just use a sparrow with your own node with a cold card, single sig, you're in a very, very good position. You're in a very good place. Your biggest risk that people, when they talk about multi-vendor, multi-sig, using multiple different hardware wallets for multi-sig, is what if what if NVK CoinKite is using uh, something they call a retirement attack? This idea that the random number generator that's generating your private keys on the device is compromised and he can sweep everything at, at one time. Um, first of all, this is it, it's a possible attack, but it's a theoretical attack. Second of all, there's ways you can mitigate that without multi-sig. The first is using dice to create, to create to create the seed in the first place. If you're creating the private keys, you can add your own randomness to cold card using dice, and you can actually verify that. They make it so you can verify the dice rolls if you want to. People do verify it. And because we have some people verifying it, the chances are that even if you don't verify it, you should be good. And then the second is a passphrase. And the passphrase is essentially if you have 24 words or secret words, you have 24 backup words. The passphrase is a 25th word that only you know. So even if the 24 words are compromised, if you have a secure 25th word, you're good. You do a combination of the two of those. All of a sudden, you're in a very secure setup. You have two secure elements on the MK4. Um, you keep your seed on on steel so that it's protected from fire and water. You're in a very very good position now. Where where does multisig really come in in handy? It comes in handy for me. I think in two in two places. Uh, organizations. It's really nice in organizations because you can have multiple people hold different signers. So so multiple people in that organization need to approve any transaction and each one of them has responsibility. And then the second is if you're a public Bitcoiner like me and Marty, um, I personally love multisig because if, if you try to, uh, we're at increased risk of theft and I can't, I can't move my Bitcoin without actually traveling to multiple locations. Yes. Right. And, and so, so if you're not in those two boats, 99% of the time doing multi-sig just adds complexity and it makes it more likely that you're going to lose your own funds um, and that you're going to lose access to your funds and then you're going to fuck something up and just keep it simple. Simple is good. And we have to remember that the majority of people that lose their Bitcoin, they lose it because they get an email, they click a link and they type in their seed words on their computer or they deposit their money into FTX and get rugged by Kevin O'Leary and Tom Brady. <laughs> you didn't mention that earlier. Kevin O'Leary took $15 million. No, so he got yeah he got paid $15 million uh, to promote the Ponzi. That was FTX. But he put $1 million of that into FTX as an investment in equity. And then he put $9.7 million of it into shit coins that he custodied on FTX. <laughs> so he has about $5 million left from his uh, blood money. Fuck that, dude. But agreed. Multi-sig. Is for ninety nine percent of people, it's overcomplicated. Yes, like for us, like for RHR, like we have a multi sig, organizational multi sig. Yeah, I don't trust Marty with the keys. <laughs> you did for years. I but... know. And what happened? <laughs> you want to tell the freaks? I mean, we didn't lose any Bitcoin. No, we thought we did, or I thought but we did. Marty sent me a panic text. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for DJ. That's why you have a CTO that knows that's what's going on Bitcoin too. That's what. Be careful. Okay, this is this is this is where what happened. If you set up, <laughs> be aware, freaks. Be aware. If you try to say uh, set up, uh, this is what happened. I tried to set up PDEP using our BTC Pay server, and I did it. I, I didn't. Um, I didn't back it up correctly. Um, so I didn't be aware, freaks. Back up your keys. That's why 
at a company level, you have redundancy. Um, so you have trusted people that work for you that, that help you with the security. I don't even remember what my text reply back to him was. It's not pretty. <laughs> Better fucking get Anyway, this now out. we're on multi. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, organizational multi-sig good. I mean, we use it in open sets. Um, it's just good to have multiple people have to approve a transaction period. Yeah. And they don't have to be in the same place. It's great. And yeah. And too, that's like the cool, like one of the cool things is if either of us creates an invoice, we have like an unspoken verification. Like I, I checked on the hardware device that the, uh, the address lined up with what was being fed to me in the browser. For receiving. Yes. Um, should we get the shout out? Well, that's what's cool about the organizational multisig is any individual can receive Bitcoin without, uh, because no one cares about, oh, how did the organization end up with more money than, than I thought? <laughs> like, so anyone can receive. Um, but to send, you need multiple people to send. It's cool. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Bitcoin's a beautiful thing. It enables these things. But anyway, Mark, you don't think the Ledger Stacks is a sexy piece of hardware? It definitely is sexy. Yeah. But It's weird that like they want you to stack them. Right. They want you to have multiple multiple hard... And it's not even for multi-sig, like just to segregate. Yeah, but they want you to just buy multiple. It's, it's, it's like a way to get you to buy more. It's all LARP, like Web3. I mean, happy for you, Ledger. You got the guy that made the iPod. It's a sexy device, but... I will say the Ledger Nano S and X, like the two-button interface, pain in the fucking ass. Like a nice big E-ing touchscreen is a huge upgrade on that. Yes. But you're also just from like a UX point of view, right? Yeah, just make it for Bitcoin only. Don't go all in on Web3. It's interesting. You can I tell, mean, like you can tell they like definitely like single most this. single most profitable hardware wallet company in the market. It's true. Like it, I don't. Yeah, but is it ephemeral? Like their success. We'll see. It's approved by the French NSA. They have a really good security team. <laughs> security research team, at least. They haven't done any of that in a while. Fact. Well, the MK4 just came out, so they're probably going to spend like $600,000 <laughs> to break that. What was the last one they had? To use, they like, spent like $400,000 to break the MK3 with laser beams. They, yeah, they'd use lasers. Yeah. Right? yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it's cool to see. Uh, and even then, it's like, it's still a crapshoot if you're actually able to compromise it with the laser beams because you might break the secure element in the process. Which want to give you access to it. Yeah. But that's going to be like a FUD line. Once again, this is just all overkill. If somebody has lasers, your Bitcoin can get stolen. And those, yeah, I mean, what if, I, the, I what helped, if the internet gets shut down? I helped yeah. a friend. I helped a friend set up his cold card, and I had him write down his seed words, and I told him to punch him into steel, and I gave him a steel seed plate for him to punch him into steel. And I told him, I was like, make sure you never enter them online. We went through like the whole process. We did the dice for the cold card. He set up a passphrase. We went through the whole process. And then about three hours later, he had it. He it, The piece of paper was sitting on his desk with the piece of metal. And um, he like sent a, a picture to a friend of something. And in the background was his seed. And he had to do it all over again. <laughs> like his friend didn't rug him, but like... That's what it comes down to. It's like we talk about all the like Bitcoiners will fight over all these different ways of like storing keys and stuff. 
you know, and then billions of dollars gets rugged on FTX or people click links and they put it in. Like most of these things are, I don't want to downplay them, but it's, you know, most of the time it's people overthinking things Yeah, and just stupid mistakes. I mean, like we said in the beginning of the, and that's the other thing too. Maybe, I mean, it does demand extreme ownership, extreme responsibility. It's also not that hard. Like, is there the psychological effect for people to make it seem so hard that they freak out and mess up inadvertently? Um, well, I mean, they're not, people are oftentimes faced with those kinds of life and death realities. Like for me, hunting third season in a snowstorm, when I get too cold for my brain to work, you know, you need to stop and make a fire and warm up or else you're going to die. Right. As a kid, as a 12 year old kid, whereas people now they, they never have that like, oh my gosh, this is real. I need to pay attention to what I'm doing. This is how serious it is. So when you have no experience, no exposure to those kinds of things in your life, something like this, like, oh my God, this is so important. It's the first time for them that there is no, right, they just lose that. They just lose, lose it. Cool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or they, or you can be like Dave Portnoy and I can sit there, look him dead in the eyes and be like, do not lose this. Do not lose this. And then he lost it. Give a copy to your lawyer father to put in a vault. Do not lose this. And then he loses it and blames you for it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that that's how that type of situation in our society is how you end up with convincing the whole world to to close small businesses with just a little bit of fear. Yeah, right? it's like 100%. you just add, you coddle society and then you just add a little bit of fear to the mix and just agree to anything. Will we get strong men back? Yes, yes. Well, because that's what it is, right? It's uh, easy times make weak men, weak men make hard times, hard times make strong men. We're well on our way to the next generation of strong men due to all the suffering that we've allowed ourselves to live through. Luckily, there's some of us that never had an opportunity to be the soft man. You know, our folks pretty much stomped it into us that you're going to be a leader and you're going to survive or else um, to help teach the next generation of strong men. Yeah, I mean, that's that was one thing that Jason and I talked about from the very beginning is that, you know, one thing that we had to bring back, (laughs) I said, Jason, hey, what was it that you kind of heard about the what did you think about the beef initiative? He goes, well, he goes, you came along and I found out some crazy ass West Texas cowboys are going to be willing to shake this up as much as possible and you know knowing you know jason comes from he he lives where he grew up he's been a marine he's a rancher he's first generational rancher coal miner there's something to be said with that type of suffering and that's what i always tell people i said you better start engineering your own suffering or that suffering is going to get engineered on you it's confusing to a lot of people but it really shouldn't be it should be shit, man. I need to start, you know, having some accountability. And I think that's what Bitcoin, if you understand Bitcoin to the level that you need to as a person, the first thing you say is I got to be accountable. And, you know, that's what's so fun about this. People ask, you know, they, they ask uh, Jason or ranchers like, what about the volatility of Bitcoin? It's like, <laughs> You don't know fucking volatility of ranching. Every day of their lives is a freaking psyop you know, of manipulation and capture and, you know, 
used car salesmen coming after them. It takes a hard, strong man to be able to to rise above all the bullshit. And so that's I think we're we're on to something here. And uh, you know, it's it's a pleasure that we've been here. You know, Jason and I've been talking about a year now, and here we are sitting in Tennessee. None of this was planned, but it's because we trust each other because because we know we're going to freaking work harder than each other, and that's what we're trying to do right now. Yeah. That's what I started with the uh, with our oldest. We we're working on shaking hands and looking people in the eye when you meet for the first time. I think it's imperative, man. It's so simple, right? I mean, Matt was talking to me. Go shake your rancher's hand. What does that mean to most people? Well, it's confusing. But to somebody like me, man, that was my manhood. You go up and shake a damn hand, you better be meaning it. Yeah. Or you're going to get your bit, your shit called on you. Man, I've talked about fish grips on this show a lot. There's nothing. Would you call them fish grips? Yeah, there's nothing worse. I had there te- isn't. I had a teacher in uh, <laughs> fish grips. I had a teacher in when I was like 12 years old. That the first week of school, uh, he made each person in the class get up, walk up to him in front of the whole class, shake his hand, look him in the eye, and if you failed that, he would sit you back down and you'd go to the back of the line until you got a good handshake. Just it's like a good lesson. Shamed people into it. It was great. Perfect. It was like the single best thing I learned the whole year. Yeah. I mean, that was. Well, I, I crushed it, to be honest. Because <laughs> your dad probably taught time. you growing up. Like, that's what, no, my dad, I mean, I'm only doing as my dad did it to me. And you were mentioning earlier, like, your mom would flick the lights. When we lived in Northeast Philly, my brother and I would be like five blocks down, but my dad would come out in the stoop and give his whistle. We could hear yep. it. We could hear it from like a half mile away. We'd be like, all right, dinner time. Time to go home running through northeast philly fighting kids on the way home double dutching maybe stopping to double dutch a little bit right yeah should we do shout outs and then we'll have jason do the software releases <laughs> yes a dr seuss poem about staying humble and stacking sats oh stacking sats oh stacking sats a humble oh, is this ai to build your bitcoin stacks we don't chase moonshots or try to get rich quick we simply save our sats and let them do the trick we know that bitcoin may go up or it may go down, but we stay the course and don't let our emotions drown. We stack our sats with patience and grace and watch our holdings grow at a steady pace. So let us stay humble and stack with care. Stacking sats is the way to grow our Bitcoin with flair. Chat GBT, gents. Freaks. I don't want any fucking AI shout outs. Keep the fucking sats. I don't want You're, uh, you're going to Streisand effect this. They're all no, no AI shout outs. Um, Do not obey the AI. Was I dropped. called Marty obeying the AI on Twitter the other That day. was a joke. That was a joke. Did you like my ratio, though? Yeah, it was a good one. Thank you. I will not uh, obey the AI. It was good. I will not eat bugs. the bugs. I will not live in the pod. I will not get the chip. I will not obey the AI. <laughs> Marty asked the AI if it was Bitcoins or Bitcoin. And then when it agreed with him, he tried to flex on me. Well, it did agree. It was, it was a happy middle ground. That's why I posted. That counts as an agree. Because it was it's both. Wrong. It was both. It's Bitcoins. Uh, was driving home listening Fuck to TFTC. <laughs> And had just a real poignant moment thinking about like five years. I've been listening to you guys hash it out every week. The fun and seriousness of RHR is the crucible in which strong hands are forged. Can't imagine a world without Marty Jones's rants and Odell's lessons on privacy in the digital age. What happened to being able to send you a bottle of whiskey to a shady P.O. box, 
hashtag bring it back. You can send it to the comments or Bitcoin Park now. Just send it to Bitcoin Park. Or comments, Bitcoin comments. Uh, 106 <laughs> East, 6th Street. The uh, problem is we, we stopped living in the same spot. Sweet 200, uh, Austin, Texas. Marty doesn't drink whiskey. I do. Everyone, like, way less frequent. Remember when we used to get a bottle of Michter sent to us and we would polish them off? I mean, I used to have a major alcohol problem, if that's what we're calling. <laughs> <laughs> the freaks now. Yeah. There was some. You f- the armed out episode. Just go listen to it. I slept during the <laughs> Slept for like an hour. During the you guys were talking about like train history in my defense. I mean, in our, in our defense, it was like the first COVID in person. Uh, it was the first time I saw you in a while. In rip. We drank a lot of Lafroig that, that was day. crazy. Uh, yeah. A lot of heavy drinking, but. Oh, my lady would say you should also send us mezcal. My lady is uh, is the Uncle Jane and and Matt said he just and really likes mezcal. What? I said is your lady. Is, this is like my. What would you do if I? Let's say I had a friend who wanted to do this, and you're really talking about. Well, no, it I my two favorite alcohols are are whiskey and mezcal, um, and. Uh, she got mad at me that I kind of like memed whiskey and because she doesn't like she doesn't like whiskey. She loves mezcal, so she got she she gets a little bit frustrated with me that all the freaks send uh, whiskey and we've had a couple we've had a couple uh, Latin American freaks who send mezcal and she gets very happy about it. Yeah, what, we had that uh, that trace. We and, drink it here, right? Trace and Ajos. That was a drunk episode. Yeah, we down the whole bottle. Yes, we did. There was four of us though, Jason. I've I've watched that one. It was hilarious. <laughs> It was well worth a watch. That was Ronan, right? When he announced he launched his own shitcoin. In Thai. Oh, yeah. Shout out, Neil, if you're listening. We miss you, brother. Dear RHR friends near Orange County, you are cordially invited to join us December 9th. That is tomorrow in Costa Mesa, California for our Satmas party, our humble AI-generated tagline. Fuck you, freak. (laughs) Pronounced flawlessly by Uncle Marty. Charles Gillen, bro, uh, hosted by Orange County Bitcoiner plebs at a local brewery. Attendance is free. Limited tickets available for Picanha Steak uh, by Foga de Chao Brazilian Steakhouse. Sats only. See satsmas.info. S-A-T-S-M-A-S.info for details. Charles Gillen, bro. The founder, the founder of that chat GPT is Sam Altman, who's also World one of Coin. the leads of WorldCoin, where they wanted to scan your orb to give you an airdrop. No, they machine. wanted to use an orb to scan your scan eye. Scan your eye with the orb. <laughs> They're going to use the orb. To sc- this sounds like it's bullshit. It <laughs> it's sounds real. like it's Marty's fucking rants, but it's completely true. Yeah. Elon's involved with chat. No, he was involved with the foundation to open AI. They, yeah. they also call themselves open AI and it's a closed source monetized company. Yeah. And everyone's just giving them their phone number, giving them all their deep, dark prompts. There's over a million people have signed up. Marty's asking if it's Bitcoins or Bitcoin. <laughs> That's the only question I <laughs> Everyone, That's the only question. The only benefit is like at least Dan Held isn't stealing people's tweets anymore. He's just asking the AI. To... <laughs> How much should I put on BlockFi? <laughs> the humble plebs of Lancaster County, PA. Not too far, where where three of us are from, are having the first meetup, 7 p.m. Thursday, December 15th. That is exactly a week, two hours and 15 minutes from now. Or excuse me, two hours, one 
excuse me, one hour, <laughs> one week <laughs> on their math, one week, one hour and 15 minutes from now at TELUS 360. Just ask the AI how, how long until it was, how visit Lanco bitco.in so l-a-n-c-o-b-i-t-c-o dot i-n for more info thank you marty and matt for all you do separating money and state one mind at a time cheers hey you guys may not know this you freaks uh, about pennsylvania and how we call our counties people people get very confused so they're, they're called lanco lancaster county i'm from delco delaware county these guys are from monco montgomery county Docs. my wife's from Bucksco, Bucks County. They're big counties. <laughs> Chesco, Chester County. It's a nice Pennsylvania. I, I understand it. Pennsylvania. It's not a very complicated. Pennsylvania's not a state either. <laughs> Pennsylvania's a commonwealth. Just to let you guys know. Noted. All right. That was it for the shout outs. Thank you, freaks. Appreciate it. You read the, you, since it. you have it in front of you. What? You get the software updates. Oh, do I have it in front of me? Yeah. Um, we had Core Lightning V2211. Um, they called this release the Alameda Yield Generator. <laughs> <laughs> um, they added a new plugin system that they're calling Reckless, which seems pretty uh, versatile. Their plugin system in general is really cool. Um, hopefully, more people will start using Core Lightning. Um, we have BDK V0.25.0, one of the leads over there is Steve Myers, who leads our bit devs in Nashville. We had a great bit devs this week. It's good seeing him in person uh, earlier. It was really funny. He didn't, we put the update in rabbit hole recap. He said the update wasn't important enough to talk about at bit devs. I called him out on it. I was like, you're not going to do, he's like, oh, we just increased sync times. We made sync times better. Uh, Tor browser V12.0 is a big update. They made it so that it, it works native with the new Apple chips, with the new like M1s and M2s. Um, they made multi-language support better. They made HTTPS default on Android. You're, you're, I cannot see what you're looking at. You, well, you're shitting on the commons and not being able to get on websites. I can't get on the Tor blog post. It's blocked by your... You know what's really cool? <laughs> I was just... I, I didn't click. I just knew what the Tor browser was update was. <laughs> no, this is actually... It looks like it's Tor's issue, right? Maybe, I don't know. I, mine says that it's an HTTPS issue on Firefox. That's what I'm getting. Potential picked. security issue. This is not This is not our router blocking it. Okay. This is something else, something separate. But I just rattled out Tor release notes, by the way, without clicking the link, so I didn't even know. Um, and that's our update. Oh, and Threema, which is a great encrypted messenger, uh, created a new communication protocol that they integrated and they called Ibex, which can be very confusing for Bitcoiners. Um, but Ibex is a RAM, so they don't have. Other people use the word Ibex besides Ibex Pay. Yes. Completely unrelated to Ibex, but it's a better encryption communication protocol. And, and encrypted group calls and perfect forward secrecy. Threema is great. You can use it without a phone number. You can use you can pay with Bitcoin. So, they have a paid model. Like their model is just you pay them. They don't harvest your data, and you just pay them. It's a very novel, novel model. Just paying someone for a service. Imagine that they don't have to spin up a shit coin. Yeah, it's, it's really. I saw MVK complaining, asking why more people aren't using Threema. I think he's a little bit too hard on Signal. Um, he's a bit of a complainer. I mean, Signal didn't monetize on the shit coin. Uh, 
uh, Moxie did. Moxie Marlin Spike, which is is one of the creators of Signal, was also an advisor to MobileCoin, and he presumably made bank on the pump. But Signal didn't actually make any money on it. Signal's just completely funded by donations and, um, yeah. I mean, they're a nonprofit. Yeah, so whatever happened with MobileCoin, like to just launch it and never use it? Supposedly, the MobileCoin pump put a one billion dollar hole in Alameda's balance sheet. So we got that benefit going for us. Um, at least they got wrecked on the ship. I mean, and then it wrecked everybody else as a result, but whatever. Um, we have ride or die freak Silvergate CEO, Alan Lane with the public letter. Uh, you know, damned if you do damned, if you don't, I don't think like he wrote this letter to like calm fears of people having with Silvergate. But now every time someone reads one of these letters, it's just a Roger Rear video. It's just like, oh, like once you start saying like everything's fine, like don't worry, everyone just freaks the fuck out. So I, I don't even like you just. Did you read the letter? Yes. Didn't you just read it? You're like, oh my god, they're fucked. <laughs> I know that's like irresponsible for me to say that, but I just feel like you read one of those letters, you just like. Uh, I think it's particularly because it's not like Mount Cox is a publicly traded company, so yeah. like there is some onus on. For a shareholder on the CEO to communicate with shareholders. Yeah. So, anyway, the letter was basically like everything's fine. Yeah, well capitalized. Look at our balance sheet. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I just, you, right? Am I right that like you read and you're just like, yeah. I mean, you you, you hope that uh, that is true. That, and then it's, well, it's like you hope that in an ideal world, you never have to get to the point where you write that letter. But due to the circumstances of today's market, because um, there there was that one. They're probably fine. Who was it? What was the... Because um, there was one customer who was trying to blame like their wiring system for problems, but it turned out that they had actually like got blown out too, and they were just trying to blame Silvergate. Oh, because Silvergate has a Silvergate exchange network. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't it Fireblocks. It a bunch of financial institutions together. It's, no, it was someone that's more fly-by-night. Yeah, but they, they created a lot of FUD a couple weeks ago. And it was ago. their fault. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's, and then you had David Bailey out there shooting tweets from the hip, leveraging, yeah. leveraging that fake news. And yeah. And you have this cascading panic spreads quick. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it seems like they're fine, but we'll see. Not, not your keys, not your coins. Just don't trust custodians period. Um, but it, it is very much a damned if you do damned, if you don't, I just, yeah. in my head, I see the Roger Rear video every time. And to be clear, does somebody even hold Bitcoin? I think they just facilitate traditional banking services for clients yeah on an offering for usd right yeah they're a bank yeah but like not your keys not your coins like is that a they don't hold bitcoin do they? no yeah i mean you can't self-custody fiat <laughs> every company should get it's impossible to self-custody fiat like even oh, cash is in self-custody yeah. because they can just debase it at will yeah no i agree with you there yeah so not your keys not your coins still applies if you hold dollars, what do you expect you're in a custodial it? relationship. <laughs> Just hold Bitcoin, freaks. Just and spend it at local merchants, boosting the circular economy. What else do we have here? I keep going to Telegram because I'm so used to that we switched. We have FTX list. full venture portfolio of $5.4 billion was leaked. It is straight fucking garbage. 
The companies they invested in or the companies that invested in that? The companies they invested in, FTX Ventures, Alameda Ventures, whatever they called it. There was like five shell companies that did the investments, but cumulative together, it's $5.4 billion worth of venture investments that are just all garbage. Yeah, I'm really, I mean, top of the list is Genesis Digital Assets, which is the largest miner in the world. And I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this the other day. Like, presumably that 550 mil went straight into ASICs. Like if a court tries to freeze, like how, like I don't understand lawyers in the room. How would this work? Like if they're trying to claw back, is this legal advice? If they try to claw back, if they deem that FTX, Alameda misappropriated client funds and think that they wound up investing them in venture deals, like can they go to Genesis digital assets and say, Hey, you have to freeze. But with, you have to repeat what, you, what he said, Marty, because no one knows. Uh, it's like you're talking to a ghost. One of the lawyers in the room said, uh, "Potentially." I don't. know. You guys like said docs earlier. I don't know what to say. Well, just stand up and tell him, and then Marty will yeah, shoot come you. Yeah, because that's what happens when people contribute. No. Oh, you're on camera. If you don't, if just FYI. Uh, I was gonna say no. It's it it depends on what the investments were in. If it was in hard assets or equity in companies, you could potentially pull that back. But I think a lot of it was into shit coins and other things that are just gone now. So it's... Yeah, but with wait, wait, with Genesis Digital <laughs> specifically... You're not shooting yet. If they invested in ASICs, could they claw those back or like force them to liquidate? Potentially, yeah. They invested a humble $75 million, $150 million into Voyager Digital that's bankrupt. <laughs> Uh, they invested. They invested two hundred million in Sequoia, who also invested in them. Oh, I'm like, yeah. So, like, I'm actually, I'm just looking at the first line item, five hundred fifty mil. Oh no, I'm reading. Did I? Oh yeah, I'm reading the correct line. I'm sorry. Go on. Five hundred fifty mil was one investment they made in GDA. There's another one down here for a hundred mil. I think they allocated more than one billion overall. Two. Genesis Digital Asset. You want to know how this was all leaked as JPEGs? Um, and then Lawmaster of the block manually typed it up into Google Docs. Good. You know, it's good that he does actually something useful after Jeez. trying to tell people that Alameda was. I mean, these people were puffing this whiz kid, this wonderkind, particularly at the block for quite some time. Turned out that, I mean, they're public with their, their their token allocations at the block, but does that perturb their ability to actually do good journalism? Well, now you just sound like a no-corner. That's true. Well, that you can't be a journalist if you hold Bitcoin, you can't talk about Bitcoin. But is it different with shitcoins that? Uh, it's a slippery slope. It is. I think everyone has a bias, including if you only hold dollars or T-bills or something. The important thing is 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 to realize what the bias is, and when people try and hide the bias, is where it's the real issue. I think. Yeah, we're very open with our bias. We're pro yeah. Bitcoin, anti porn. Yeah, we're, we're um, super biased. <laughs> like, very biased uh, show. Uh, Janine has launched or uh, released uh, her latest. I'm still this reading month this in privacy. Fucking crazy. Uh, so the November. 
2022 blog post uh, from Janine on privacy has been released. Got nine topics um, out of the league. Legends of Lightning. Wait, how much did you say they put into GDA? I've heard 1.1 billion overall. Yeah, so the, the first investment was 550 million, but then they did follow-ons of another 500. Yeah, at least. Oh, and then another follow-on. Yeah, they put a shit ton of money in there. Are they going bankrupt too? GDA. Well, that's that's why I wanted to, like, because imagine they went and bought all these ASICs, planning to plug them in, and. A court goes actually you have to liquidate those and well wouldn't they just give the equity as part of the bankruptcy proceeding? Like every FTX creditor gets like point you know, like point one shares of it's a few hundred shares <laughs> of GDA. Yeah, they would probably just liquidate it. Right? But it's not a public company, right? It's not public now, I don't think so. It's private. Hence why they're able to make these investments this way. Um, I actually, my family has a <laughs> a liquidated uh, Bernie Madoff boogie board from the auction sale. Is this real? Yeah, we got it for like five dollars. It says <laughs> Madoff in all caps. <laughs> my dad was so excited about it. Did you have to go to like? No, the there was just like there, he, there, an opportunity presented itself, and he just secured a five dollar <laughs> Bernie Madoff uh, boogie board during the auction sale, the estate sale. There was a <laughs> everyone Kurt Schilling went. He had such a kick out of it. Kurt Schilling went bankrupt, and everybody's like getting off his assets. I think, yeah. And the amount of shit Kurt Schilling had was uh, pretty obscene. Uh, but I didn't mean to cut off Janine. Janine's Bitcoin month in Bitcoin privacy is amazing. Um, it's a newsletter that's not a newsletter. Uh, you have to. If you want notifications, you have to either subscribe to the RSS feed or um, start on GitHub. Yes. Last but not least. Zoltan. Our boy Zoltan. World War Three has already begun. World War Three has begun. Gold's going to 3K. 3,800, he said gold was 3,800. He believes that Russia is going to reprice their oil in gold. If gold goes to 3,800, Bitcoin 200K by conference day. You said it first. Uh, Zoltan kind of said it. I'm just translating. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Whenever I hear Zoltan, I just can't stop thinking of dude. Where's my car? Yeah, Zoltan. Um, He's speaking at Bitcoin 23. I know. That's a big get. It's a big get. That's the one I'm most excited about. Yeah. Um, this is a pretty doomer piece from him. They're always recently released, right? Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's the signal, right? Um, gold to 3,800. World War Three has started. It's a different type of world war, though. It's like digital. He had a really cool line. It was, uh, it was, World War Three already started. It's just as a hot war in cold places, space, cyberspace, underwater, and Svalbard, and a cold war in hot places, militarizing islands in the Pacific and mines in Africa. It's kind of cool. That's war is not about gentlemanly conduct. And then his last line was great. Just as the German industrialist who built a successful business over a lifetime and outsourced only one thing to the German government, energy security, banks have been managing their paper gold books with one assumption, which is that states would ensure gold wouldn't come back as a settlement medium. And Russia is probably going to sell their oil for gold is what Sultan believes. Jason, as a, a former Marine, what do you think about the state of 
Are well, we in World I, War III? I think the reality of World War III is digital. Because if you look at all of the uh, priorities are aligned with wealth, you know, and that's one of those things where all of these, our new world war, it's, that's, it will all be based on what you can get for as little manpower lost as possible. So if you look at it from a digital standpoint, if you can KYC or control or whatever money and make people hungry, you can manipulate them to do whatever it is that you want. Mm -hmm. And that's, you do that by devaluing their money, controlling the farmland, and controlling their food. Because hungry, poor, cold people will do whatever it is that you want them to do. And energy. That was another... You yeah. don't have this on the list. Did you see that substation that got attacked in North Carolina? Yeah. There was a similar attack in uh, California. California. It was like a, Years a ago. few well-placed rounds. Yeah. Gunshots into... Substations knocked out power. Does they have power back yet? It got knocked out on Saturday. It was out for days. It was out for at least three days. Still yeah. a lot of powers out. That's fucked. That's scary. Yeah. It's something similar happened in California a couple of years ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, like the guys were placed like right outside the camera line and yeah. looked like they were sniping and all that shit. That's not good. No. Well, and that's where your personal energy independence is really important. I mean, those of us that grew up with a wood stove in their house to stay warm, when they shut the power off, we're still going to be warm. We can still cook. Well, I remember Marty's boomer tweet when Austin <laughs> lost power. He like just took a picture of his gas stove top and just tweeted it out. <laughs> just like just a flex tweet. Making bacon still. Power's out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I like having the fire pit out back in a quarter yeah. wood. Yeah. Yep. If we ever need to cook. Um, and then on the electricity side, I mean, look into generators. It's good to have a generator. If you're in a rental, you can't have a generator. Those battery packs, I really like the anchor ones, the large anchor ones. Um, they'll get you by. Yeah. Well, in a chest freezer, because the cold stays yep. in a chest freezer, right? So throw the up. And you want it to be as away. filled as possible. Exactly right. Keep it as full yeah. as possible. So if you get low on meat, fill milk jugs and freeze milk jugs yeah. just to make up the space. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want you don't want the air. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you have a water supply. God damn it. Why are people attacking substations? Um, did you not want to talk about that, you see? No, no, that wasn't intentionally uh I tweeted it out though, and like people weren't about it really. It's, yeah, but I it wasn't intentionally not on the list. Yeah, um, it was pretty crazy. It's definitely something to be aware of. Yeah, be aware, freaks. Be aware. <laughs> yeah, because these things are vulnerable, right? Like how, like especially like as we've been mining here. It wasn't like someone like lit it up with an AK. It was like a couple shots. Yeah, but like that's yeah. the thing. That's how vulnerable. I know that's are. way more vulnerable than one might think. Yeah, and like with the uh, mining operation that we just spun up here, like it, I've been close to a substation. It's like just like out in the open. Well, and that's just it. I mean, we've had some transformer fires at the coal mine where you'd have an internal failure, and they're full of uh, mineral oil. So they burn like a giant torch until you essentially it consumes all the fuel. So really, if you knew what you were doing, you could take out as big of a transformer station as you wanted remotely, you know, with high-powered um, sniper rifle 
no one would even see it coming. Yeah. And then because we've had all the shortages with electrical components, it may be a long time before right. they can build another one to replace it. And that's not to be a naysayer, or, you know, Debbie Downer. Doomer. It's it's a real it's a real potential. Yeah. Do you know what we have upstairs though? What's that? Gourmet caveman cooking with fire. Yeah, the so, smoker is smoking out in front. It smells delicious. Pretty. I'm going to have to run here in a minute and go check on them. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think we're going to wrap now. What time does everything pop off? We've been going now. for, what? how long have we been going? Like two hours? I think so. Um, yeah, I think it's time for us to to wrap up this uh, Rancher Hole recap. Should we do the booster grant? Um, let's get some final thoughts from... Uh, from Slim and Jason. Also, uh, they're going to be joining me for a Saturday morning uh, SEAL dispatch as well, so you'll get some more of them. On this YouTube channel. On this YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's do final thoughts. Uh, Slim, final thoughts. Final thoughts is, uh, you know, we had a good year. Uh, everybody in this room, you guys have been extremely supportive. Uh, this is definitely something that's taken off, and it wouldn't be happening it, you know, we've got to go out there and it, just to be cliche as shit, man, we've got to go out there and shake every rancher's hand in the United States. That's it. You know, as a small Western Colorado boy, um, living my dream life as a cattle rancher, I never thought I'd have the opportunities that I've had since I've come into the Beef Initiative, the amazing people that I've met, um, the fantastic information and knowledge from all of the educators, whether it's on the beef side and whether it's on the Bitcoin side. I just want to say a huge thanks to everybody involved. And I'm, I'm completely stoked and excited and reinvigorated for what we're going to do in 2023. So thanks everybody that's been involved. Well, cheers to that. Cheers yeah. to that. Thank you two gentlemen. We appreciate you both for doing what you do and for joining us today. No, it really, thanks guys. You guys, y'all really talk about us a lot. And that is so imperative right now for who we are as the Beef Initiative. It's giving that voice to, you know, Jason sitting here. He didn't think he's going to be sitting in a recording studio a year ago. I mean, this stuff has got some legs on it. So thank you. Again, thank you guys. Yeah. We need to get the message out there. Should we just keep saying thank you yeah, back? Thank sure. You. Why not? No, thank you. you. <laughs> Marty, you want to hit us with boostergrams before we wrap? All right. We got four boostergrams from Rabbit Hole Recap. Hopefully, no AI generated ones. Rip 229, the bankruptcies and executive. This is, yeah, this is the one. I uh, just want to say a big thank, or this is from at mandate. Mandates are for ass lickers. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> 100,000, 100 sats. Just wanted to say a big thank you for producing such high signal content every week. My wife and I love sitting down on a Sunday, having a few beers and watching your rips. You give our growing family so much hope and optimism for our future in this clown world we live in. Always remember, freaks, be aware. Mandibles, mandibles, mandibles. Love from your fellow freaks <laughs> over here in Australia. Stay humble and stack sats. Mandibles. <laughs> uh 75,000 sats from at Ape Mithrandir. Ride or die. Uh, in the previous RHR, you mentioned the railway strike. The strike is very interesting. The main reason the freight railway workers are striking is for better sick leave. Currently, they get zero unpaid sick leave, and the current proposed deal offers them one day of paid sick leave. The seven railway companies have a combined annual income of $27 billion, up from $15 billion 10 years ago. In that time, they have paid out $146 billion in buybacks and dividends, $30 billion more 
then they invested in their own businesses uh, at eight eight mint rand year seventy four thousand nine hundred ninety nine sats part two of this boost. The stocks are up three hundred percent, and they have cut their workforce by more than thirty percent in that time. A single worker will operate up to an up to twelve thousand foot train. The result of them cutting the workforce and extending train lengths over time, the railway companies do not negotiate in good faith because of the 1926 Railway Labor Act, which allows Congress to force railway workers to accept the negotiated contract, even if it is voted down by the workers. That's fucked. Seems pretty fucked. Thanks for sharing, Freak. Thank you, April Mithrandir. There's no way uh, AI wrote that. No. Uh, at Treebeard, 73,200. 37 sets. We get a palindrome boost here. Shout out to Boost Legend at Eric99. The people listening to the show 100 years from now, AI overlords included, will forever be in all of your relentless sat spraying. And we'll just go to the fifth one. Thanks, Rick. At Eric99, 50,000 sats. Well, he, he upped Eric99. He almost knocked him out of the. Well, he, of the he, show. Yeah, Eric's in fifth, but stay humble. Appreciate you, Eric. Great advice. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, guys. Don't thank say you. thank you to us, please. Uh, <laughs> In person rip. Love it always. Love you, freaks. Stay on the stack sets. Peace and love. Tiki.